It's time for Twig This Week in Google. Jeff, Stacy, and Ant are all here. We'll talk about ChatGPT coming to Bing. Google's response, bring back Larry and Sergey. Uh, we'll also talk about BuzzFeed using ChatGPT to generate content. The endless Seinfeld stream. And is Elon the right guy to run Twitter? At least one founder says, yeah, I don't think so. It's all coming up next on Twig. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twig. This is Twig. This week in Google, episode 701, recorded Wednesday, February 1st, 2023. Bring me a leaf blower. This Week in Google is brought to you by Miro. Miro is your team's visual platform to connect, collaborate, and create together. Tap into a way to map processes, systems, and plans with a whole team. Get your first three boards for free to start creating your best work yet at Miro.com slash podcast. And by Eight Sleep. Good sleep is the ultimate game changer, and the pod cover is the ultimate sleep machine. Go to 8sleep.com slash twit to check out the pod cover and save $150 at checkout. 8 Sleep currently ships within the U.S., Canada, the U.K., and select countries in the EU, plus Australia. Thanks for listening to this show. As an ad-supported network, we are always looking for new partners with products and services that will benefit our qualified audience are you ready to grow your business reach out to advertise at twit.tv and launch your campaign now it's time for twig this week in google the show we cover the latest news from google the uh, google verse the twitter verse the facebook verse the inverse and the obverse and the detour verse it's stacy higginbotham from the iot verse hello stacy hello y'all Stacy on IOT.com, the IOT podcast. Good to have you here. Jeff Jarvis is also here. He is the Leonard Tao Professor for Journalistic Innovation at the Craig, Craig, Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at the City University of New York. Hello, Jeff. Hello, hello. What, what, what kind of song were you going to commission? I can't remember what you said we needed to have. Oh, yeah. We wanted a, 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 a like one of them uh, sea shanties. Sea shanties. Uh, yeah. 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 There once was a journalism professor named, I don't know. Right. <laughs> we have to maybe ask Chat GPT to write it. Also here. To write one. Yeah, that'd be a good try. Um, you know, yes. it's weird. I We watched uh, before the show began just about five minutes of that weird Seinfeld nonstop show about nothing on Twitch created by an AI. And an interesting thing happened to my brain. I'm a little disoriented. Like a like VR disoriented, like nothing seems real. Aunt Pruitt's also here from Hands On Photography, twit.tv slash hop. Do you not feel that, Aunt? Uh, sir, no. What I feel is I, I think we're all safe as content creators. Yeah, it's the competition. Well, I do. I feel like it could have been better. I do. I feel like it could have been. You want better. you want to show a little bit of it or not? Should I? All right. No. Yeah, no. just a little bit. Sure. Stacy says we've wasted enough time. Oh, nope, man. nope. Go ahead. We didn't do it. Uh, on... This is at least for the show. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's worthy discussion. Uh, it's so bad. So, I won't... so again, it's AI has is writing an endless Seinfeld. It's not called Seinfeld. It's called like the Watch Me Forever. forever. Yeah, nothing forever. Uh, but 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 you know, I thought, oh, this would be interesting. This is a good idea, right? Because Seinfeld has structured gags. 
You can figure it out, Garrett, but but you'll see. We're uh, getting a uh, Samsung ad for their new phone, which we saw this morning, thanks to Jason Howell of the Samsung Unpacked. Uh, I, I decided not to go because everything had been leaked already. There was nothing to say about the new phone. I thought, well, this is just a pep rally now. It's not, it's not a reveal. Um, they needed a pep rally after those earnings. <laughs> yeah, all of them. All of the uh, tech <laughs> industry does. Shot. Here we are in, uh, Throw it in, the garbage can in Seinfeld's home. Trash can. Holy cow. <laughs> Look at that gate. Done something. Well, no. I didn't want to get involved in this situation. I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> Picking up a banana peel and walking away with it. That's how I'm going to sit on the couch. Look how she's sitting on the stool. <laughs> you know what that guy was up to? He was probably trying to get some free garbage. You know what they say, one man's trash is another man's treasure. This is so bad. It's awful. It's so bad. But it could be so. <laughs> the funny thing is, awful. I don't think they're trying because they could use real right. Seinfeld voices. We certainly have the capability of doing that. Uh, we've come so far. This is like this is like what we thought a this what AI was in nineteen eighty six AI. Yeah, it's like. Yeah. Oh. Meanwhile, there's some real AI going well, on. Well, hold on though. If you think about it, that's performing like I don't know four D AI. They're they're creating the content. They're generating the imagery. They're also uh, doing some vocal characterizations. So maybe a lesson here is if AI is good at doing one-dimensional AI, but when you move it to all the dimensions, it sucks. I, I think know. I think it could be actually a lot better. In fact, there's a, this is we are in the AI explosion. You know, right now the Cambrian explosion of AI. Uh, rumor today from both Bloomberg. And the information that Chat GPT is about to be in it, the new version, Chat GPT 4, is about to be integrated into Microsoft's Bing search. And this will happen what? in the next, yeah, in, in the next few weeks. Microsoft, we've mentioned before, is a big investor in OpenAI, the creators of Chat GPT. And uh, they just put in another four, I'm sorry, $10 billion. Uh, and you know, initially the deal was to to get ChatGPT in office, but now uh, the news is we're going to start seeing ChatGPT in Bing, and it won't be the ChatGPT we've we're used to. It's the new <laughs> ChatGPT, and this actually addresses your concern, Stacy, because this thing is a monster. Microsoft, in order to do this, built a new supercomputer, a massive supercomputer. Uh, let me see if I can find the stats for it. Uh, huge amount of storage, huge amount of um, uh, processors. Yeah, curious to hear to compute the uh, processing power. Yeah, this is Reed Albergati writing. Uh, you know, Reed didn't he write for Gigome? I feel like he did. He didn't. He used to write for the Information. Information. Okay, he's now at Semaphore, which is a new publication. Mm -hmm. Um, so he, I think he had the stats. Let me see here. In May 2020, a couple of years ago, Microsoft says it built one of the top five publicly disclosed supercomputers in the world in partnership with and exclusively for OpenAI. The computer was going to be used to train extremely large AI models, 285,000 CPUs, 10,000 GPUs, 400 mm. gigabits per second of network connectivity. But... Mm. 
And this is to answer what you were saying about, well, oh, it's a lot to do to write the script and do the voices. Oh, that's the whole point of this is that you could do all this stuff in real time. And not only that, unlike the current chat GPT-3, you could be constantly updated. And that's what makes it useful in search terms. Aha. Uh-huh. Not only will it be constantly spidering the web with for new information, but every query goes into it. Every interaction with you goes into it. But will it be sensitive to fact, as we talked about yes. last week? And that's obviously a big issue. Cause well, how, how do you say that so quickly? Because now it's just as a word predictor. Uh, how do we know that it will know fact from unfact? Well, I mean, it, it, obviously, uh, it's a mistake to put an AI into search if it doesn't actually give you accurate well, that's factual what I'm information. About. But I think it will. I think that's one of the things chat GPT will do. But according to Reed, every chat GPT answer now has a thumbs up and thumbs down. You can write the ideal answer. And so this will all be incorporated into chat GPT four and Bing so that we'll have feedback. You saw, I saw you, I've seen shown you several times this Neva chat uh, search yeah, engine. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it, because it makes itself accurate because it's, it, it is only summarizing published information from reliable sources. And I presume that's what they would do with Bing, right? So you're not just making up stuff out of whole cloth, but you're saying, well, Wikipedia, Microsoft, and, you know, Semaphore say this with footnotes and everything. I think that's going to be possibly. So anyway. I just asked ChatGPT to tell a joke in the style of, about AI in the style of Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. I, I, I'm not so critical of the show now. Uh, the answer was, <laughs> why did the AI cross the road? To get to the other side of the data set. Yeah. Never mind. Uh, I said, uh, you could do better than that. And it said, okay, here's another one. Why did the AI refuse to do the dishes? Because it was afraid of doing a deep learning experience. Yeah. No, uh, this is just chat. Uh, that's a toy. What you're using is a toy. I, think, I know. I know. But it's. A, I it's, think what we're uh, talking about here is, is going to be a different thing entirely. I'm hoping it will be. Obviously, it won't. And this is what's scaring the hell out of Google right now. In fact, you know, the side-by-side story is Google's chat testing a chat GPT-like chatbot called Apprentice Bard, which is not a great name. <laughs> well, I think it's a code name, not a brand name. <laughs> okay, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. using Lambda, which that's the one that uh, Brent Lemoyne said was sentient. Uh, they're, ch- they're also testing, this is according to Jennifer Elias for CNBC, New search page designs that integrate the chat technology. This is going to happen very quickly. And more employees have been asked to test this internally. That's probably how she's getting the uh, the story. The gin. Yes. The Alphabet company is working on a project under its cloud unit called Atlas, which is a code red effort to respond to chat GPT. There's also Apprentice Bart. So that's another one. Their employees can ask questions and get detailed answers. I also heard that uh, Google has invited Larry and Sergey back to help them with this. <laughs> and Sergey just put in his first uh, code in years. I put in that in the rundown. It's fascinating. Uh, first code that's... request. What does that mean, by the way, a code request? I, I, a request or a commit? It yeah. said just filed his first code request in years. That sounds like a mistranslation Forms. of what he did. Sure so. does. Yeah, that's for sure. File his first request and access. Oh, request to access code. To oh, I see. So he wanted to see. He wanted because this stuff's not on GitHub. You have to actually say, "Hey, can I look at that uh, <laughs> Lambda code?" Two sources said this is Forbes. Uh, 
I should always say who's writing. Forbes staff. It's staff members. So that's okay. Better. Richard Neva and Alex Conrad say uh, two sources said the request was related to Lambda. There's that name again. Google's mm-hmm. natural language chatbot. Uh, Bryn filed a CL, short for change list, to gain access to the data that trains Lambda. It, it, it was a two-line change to a configuration file just to add his name to the code. Oh. Several dozen engineers gave the request LGTM approval, which means looks good to me. Oh. <laughs> LGTM. I need a rubber wow. stamp that says LGTM. That's good. Yeah, I think so. That's a good idea. Some of the approvals came from workers outside the team, seemingly eager just to be able to say they gave code review approval <laughs> to Sergey Brin. Sounds like something at Twitter. Yeah, well, well, yeah. They I don't know. Print out his code and show it to. Uh, it's weird. Larry. Do you think Larry and Sergey like are still geniuses that could come in and in this? I'm conversation- sure they're still geniuses, but I'm. I, I got a hunch they don't care. <laughs> I don't feel like <laughs> Sergey has worn shoes in years. I don't. What's their legacy? Isn't he working on? He's working on several government initiatives related to AI. Isn't oh, he? is he? Oh, no. he is. Didn't know. Okay, thank you. Well, oh, he's he's. A, a, a magnate for, formally. Bryn's code um, request thought- also received some snark from Googlers, says Forbes. In response, one person commented, fix Google first. Another Ooh. person wrote, at Ooh. least talk to us. Ooh. A reference to the distance Ooh. of the co-founders over the last few years. Ow. Some people linked to posts from Google's internal memes forum. Some of the memes showed <laughs> you and me, Jeff, fighting. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Old people fighting. Old people fighting. Go to bed, Leo. Could Go have been. Bed. Like uh, maybe those two Muppets, right? Yeah. Wald Statler and Waldorf. Statler I don't, and Waldorf. I don't think this code looks good. Me neither. <laughs> looks like a monkey wrote it. Uh, anyway. <laughs> and that's the report before. We want to make sure we mention that Mr. Alvergetti will be on Tech News Weekly this week. Oh, oh interview. to talk about this. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Reed's great. Very good. Good get. Reed's, yeah, good get. That's great. My and to God. hear more about what the plans are for Semaphore, too. Yeah, I like Semaphore so far. Um, I'm We're quoting from it. That's a good sign. He's got some scoops. It could be, you know, it could be we just, we're leading right into another AI winter. you We've been around long enough, you and me, Jeff, to remember, you know, all the uh, excitement over AI. This has happened several times in the past. Mm-hmm. I was going to transform everything and it ended up, oh, I can't do anything. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> can't even make when a sandwich. When was your last AI spring? <laughs> uh, question. Marvin Minsky, who was at MIT, probably in the 70s, believe it or not. Okay. It was probably the last time we thought AI was going somewhere. Oh, maybe even, no, there was a group... For all I know, they're still doing it. There was a group that was getting people like it was like a a foundation where thousands of people were typing as fast as they could to get data into the AI. The theory being the more it knew. This is a long time ago. If you thought that, I mean, if you think about it, that was how they did it to get more data into the AI. And as it turns out, that's that's kind of what this revolution is, because stable diffusion or mid journey, the, the graphics AIs. ChatGPT, their real skill is looking at a lot of data fast, and that's all because everything's been put in the internet. That's kind of what happened, mm, right? Well, to transform this. There, no, no. The big transforming element was uh, GPUs 
and massive parallel processing coming down in price. If you because look at of crypto crash. No, no. In 2012, we that was our first like visual, like that was oh. when um, what was it called? Uh, Jeff Hinton and his team won. Uh, did did a very effective visual like computer vision algorithm, and it leaps and bounds ahead of everything else. And it was because he had written algorithms that took advantage of relatively inexpensive GPUs. Then what's happened is. Yes, the data coming in from the internet, but that's actually been around for a long time. What we've now been able to do is optimize different algorithms for, again, super cheap GPUs. And I, I mean, this is expensive, but it's not as expensive as it was when it was running on highly mm. proprietary like Sun systems or whatever. I do think that the availability of massive data sets uh, without having humans to come in and sit down and type them in probably but is also But we've had important. the internet since 1998, yeah. and especially things like text. And if you look at, like, I was playing well, with IBM's It's both, like, obviously. Text. You need the hardware to process it, but you need access to massive amounts of data. You also need the ability to store these models. I mean, there's... It, you also was, need the it, fuzzy logic of it's AI. A, the, it's a con the, well, see, that's what's not. interesting. The fuzzy uh, logic of AI. I think well, Stacey and I will agree that it's, a, it's this hardware it's, stuff, but I don't know if the logic is new or different. Maybe it is. Well, I mean, Gantt are new. Optimized the for, they're they're optimized for massively parallel processors um, that are, again, commercially... They're COGS, commercial off-the-shelf goods, right? Uh Cogs, so the it? the last AI spring was, this is uh, from uh, Towards Data Science, which is a medium blog about, in fact, about these AI, history of AI from Sean Ray. The last spring he reports was in the 90s, mid-90s or late 90s. Japanese government unveiled plans to develop a fifth generation computer to advance, <laughs> you remember all this? <laughs> to, yeah. to, to advance machine learning, AI enthusiasts believed Soon computers would be able, this is more than 20 years ago, be able to carry on conversations, translate languages, interpreted pictures. In 1997, Deep Blue defeated Gary Kasparov to become the, you know, to beat the world champion at chess to become. It, but Deep Blue was using massively parallel yeah. processors. I'm not they arguing just that. I agree IBM with you. No, no, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it's, it's. Anyway, AI funding dived up when the dot-com bubble burst in the early 2000s. Machine learning continued its march thanks to improvement in computer hardware, Stacy. Uh, corporations and governments successfully used machine learning methods in narrow domains. Exponential gains in computer processing power and storage ability allowed companies to store vast and crunch vast quantities of data for the first time. And uh, and so it's it, it's a confluence of of these things. I don't know if it's Stacy. I used the wrong term, but but remember when um, Google Translate made a leap in its quality? It was there was there was a there was an insight into how it operated that I think was critical too. And I don't I forget. What the yeah, that's was. the that's the way they're designing the algorithms. That's what so I'm that's saying. like a. Okay. Well, when you, when people say things like the fuzzy logic I'm of sorry, AI, sorry. my I'm inner sorry. Sorry. my inner reporter is like, the hell is that? That is not that is nothing 
words. Um, they don't mean anything. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was I was filling it's, in. It's all in other words, it's all like of the a bad AI would. It's a confluence like a Jerry Seinfeld of, AI would. Yeah, it's a confluence of a variety of uh, yes of things. Here's a diagram together. of AI winters. <laughs> <laughs> so the first what AI winter was in '73. And that way, you know, because in the 50s, uh, you know, and I'm aware of this because of John McCarthy and Lisp and, you know, Lisp was developed for AI programming and stuff. And we were, everybody was very excited about this. The 73 people won't forget that. Uh, then in the 80s, boom time, second AI winner in 88, 2012, the deep learning revolution. Yeah, I think that's about right. And then. Yes. The Mark One Perceptron. This is in the this is the first AI spring. <laughs> See, there's a giant letter C, the camera taking a picture, and the computer understanding what the letter C is. Wow. We've come a long, long way. Takes a lot of work to yeah. change the world. Well, but that's the question. so that's how what started this conversation. Are we that's in a real job. AI spring, or is this just another AI boom as people get overexcited, as we did about self-driving cars? Well, what do we think AI is? I mean, has AI had an actual impact on bottom line and product design? A hundred percent. So it's actively contributing today to, like, real physical products that are in the world and generating returns. Yeah. So is it winter because... It doesn't, you know, call us up and cook us dinner. I mean, no, it's just, I don't, I don't know if it doesn't generate a perfectly mimicked Seinfeld episode. I, my point is only that we're getting very excited about, I'm getting very excited about this idea of, for instance, chat GPT and search and Google's getting very nervous that Bing might eclipse them. Uh, it seems like there is this explosion of AI when you look at, I'll tell here's another one. So we've seen images, we've seen text. Are you ready for, <laughs> maybe we aren't ready for AI music? There's, hmm. some, there's some very interesting, but I think not quite convincing yet, examples yes. <laughs> of AI music. Uh, this is a Google um, project called Music LM. A model generating high fidelity music from text descriptions. So just like with uh, the AI image generators, you give it a I prompt. I was hoping for a little Mozart, but no. Yeah, I don't you have ready? a problem with this. Would, would you like? Uh, let's see. A the main soundtrack. I played. Didn't I play this for you? Uh, did I play this for you last week? No. no maybe sir, it was on Twit. You went over this on Twit. Twit. Yeah. Because I remember you were, Aunt, you were less than impressed. A main, oh, that's right. You were in studio for Twit. That's why. The main soundtrack of an arcade game. So this is the prompt. This is the text prompt. Please, mm -hmm. computer, write for me the main soundtrack of an arcade game. It is fast-paced and upbeat with a catchy electric guitar riff. The music is repetitive and easy to remember, but with unexpected sounds like cymbal crashes or drum rolls. You want to hear it? Sounds like an arcade Oh, it sounds like yeah. Sonic. As irritating as every game soundtrack, <laughs> yes. It lacks a certain something. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Stop. Uh, please stop it. Yes. <laughs> but see, that's the thing. That's the thing. It lacks something, but a musician, an actual artist, can take that 
and be inspired from that. I think it lacks something exactly the same way as chat GPT lacks something. It's or even stable diffusion. Here's a funky piece with a strong danceable beat and a prominent bass line. A catchy melody from a keyboard adds a layer of richness and complexity to the song. This is oh, awesome. wait, go to the R&B like hip-hop Rocky. with a voice. Oh, you want to hear That's that? That's interesting. So the voices are just like text in stable diffusion. They're Greek. They're garbled. This is... This is an R&B okay, hip-hop music piece. There's a male vocal rapping and a female vocal singing in a rap-like manner. The beat is comprised of a piano playing the chords of the tune with an electronic drum backing. The atmosphere of the piece is playful and energetic. This piece could be used in the soundtrack of a high school drama, movie, or TV show. It could also be played at birthday parties or beach parties. Wow, that's an extensive prompt. Let's see what we get. Uh, I can see Kids Pop going for this. K pop or sounds, something other. Sounds Japanese, yeah. Please stop. <laughs> yeah, it's old, old white man hip hop. <laughs> and again, it's not great. But it, how about Gregorian it, chant with a drum spot. machine? Yeah, you oh, could. You could do something with it, I guess. I, I feel like even the most basic composer could start with a better point than that. Though, Ant. really, I mean, if they they can, they can. But Brianna again, Wu let's said, think about this. Brianna Wu said her sci-fi author husband, Frank Wu was stumped. He needed to write a story. He had ChatGPT write the outlines right. yes. and then it gave him the chance to finish right. the story. So I guess in that regard, that's gave what Gave him some inspiration. Well, yeah. here's here's the thing where, where I, I talked to the board of the Marshall Project, which is about about justice, criminal justice, uh, last week. And, and they deal with uh, much of the population they serve as incarcerated people. They have a high level of illiteracy. And I said, ChatGPT could be useful to someone saying, I want, I want help telling my story. And and prompt writing, telling it what you want it to say. But don't you need a high level a of literacy job. even to start with that? Well, you could do audio and all kinds of things. Oh, I, I guess, guess you could it's, talk it's to not it. necessarily yeah. right. It's um, I, you know, I, I look at. We had someone talk to our our faculty about ChatGPT yesterday, and it was kind of well, what what impact does this have? It's always about us, media. Yeah, and I I think far differently. I wrote a post on Medium about about this that we've got to expand the notion of literacy. And more tools for creation. Or say, look at it when it comes to art. I can't draw worth a damn. But ChatGPT, or I mean, I mean, um, Dali can help me express myself in images. Yes, it looks fake. Yes, it's not great, but it's better than I could ever do. Mm-hmm. And that brings me a power that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of stuff that really interests me about this. And Leo, and- I, I keep thinking about your. Sorry, Stacey. Just um, no, no, no. Just I was going to piggyback, but you can finish, and I'll go. I just so I can disagree with Leo. You always want a chance to do that. Um, uh, what's the name of that search engine thing you're using now? What's Neva. Neva. I, I I just don't think. I think it's I, I my prediction, and I don't predict, but I'll predict now, is that is that uh, textual search results will be like talking to these devices that you had us all buy that nobody really wants to use, um, the Madame A's and all that. I don't think people entered into conversations with that stuff. And they could do it with their voice, and I don't think that worked well. So I don't know that's going to work in, in in search engines. Sorry, Stacey, go ahead. No, no I was going to say I read a really interesting 
article like written by a designer about uh, Dali um, and stable diffusion and kind of, and their idea was like, he, he talks, it was, it was one of the creators over at Argo design was the former frog guys. And he was talking about the role of a designer going forward in this kind of world might be to let technology, let you scale out and test a bunch of different ideas that you Mm -hmm. can, and the human has to go through and refine. 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 Thank you. Yes. Thank you. That's, that's what I've said um, for the longest back when the whole Dali movement came around is none of this stuff is going to take away from the artist. It's only going to help the artist, you know, get better with the things that they're doing, especially when, when you're talking about scale, like, like the designer that you just mentioned. I, so, did I tell you the story about, about the illustrators when Lincoln died at Harper's? Did I tell no, that story on the show? No, I don't recall. So when, when Lincoln died, they sent illustrators down to Washington stat and they rode the train back to uh, at drawing what they found. Lincoln had already died by the time they got there. Then the telegraph hit was, was, was more connected. Then they would send illustrators down to an event and they would telegraph back a description of their drawings to an illustrator back in the offices uh, who would draw okay. something and then have it engraved. <laughs> then when, uh, who was, who was assassinated? McKinley? No, who, who I should know this. Yeah, McKinley was, was shot. Lincoln? Cleveland? McKinley. McKinley, McKinley. was shot. Yeah. So McKinley was right. shot in Buffalo, I think, or Rochester or somewhere like that. Right. And, um, so then photography was in. So then for the first time, they could send photographers up and they got the photos back that much sooner. And the New York Times wrote a piece about, well, there goes the illustrator. And indeed, there went the illustrator. Huge numbers of illustrator jobs disappeared with photography. Then technology was trying and trying and trying to do differently. And I think you're right, uh, both of you, Stacey and Ant, that um, whether it's for text or whether it's for illustration, this can uh, give you all kinds of, of, of possible looks but then it's only inspiration for the human to do. You don't think that at some point it'll get so good that the human doesn't need to get involved? Certain kinds of things. You know, you look, I was thinking about this the other day, Leo. Like stock that, art. Yeah, exactly. Stock exactly. art's fine. It's quick, quick and dirty. But you here's a, a uh, block post. Here's a, uh, that's fine. Uh, Gregorian chant generated by Google. No, you no. could already the oh, synthesizer. No. Yeah, yeah. No. All right, here's the another one. The monks had no synthesizers. So <laughs> there's a Billie Eilish song you probably know called Happier Than Ever. Somebody has used AI to put Ariana Grande's voice on it. So it's Ariana Grande singing a Billie Eilish song. They can both sue. I think if you heard this, you, would, you wouldn't say, oh, that's an AI. Pretty good. Yeah, sounds like Ariana Grande. <laughs> you might say, "Oh, I didn't know Ariana Grande uh, covered that." Well, she didn't. So uh, it's pretty good. Uh, Dangerous. Good. There's, there's. Well, so there's some interesting ideas there. Like I, when I was younger, I hated this because I thought it was annoying. But now that I'm older, I really like it. Like when you go and you go see a show live, or someone covers a song and they add their spin on it. I used to hate that as a kid, you know. Yeah. But. Now I'm like, I love you put a lot now. more value. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're like, oh, what did they do? You have just, yeah. I don't know they why. They can be as a kid, an artist, if you will. Yeah. One yeah. of the early, uh, so I think one of the early ahead. podcasts was called Coverville and it was just covers. And I can remember hearing covers of songs that I had dismissed, like Hit Me Baby One More Time. 
by Britney Spears. I dismissed yeah. as pop trash. But then right. I heard somebody do it in a calm, quiet folk song rendition. I thought, oh, that's actually a, pr- a pretty good song. <laughs> so it does. I agree with you, Stacey. Hearing a cover can sometimes give you a new look at a, an old song. Yeah. Like so when you have all of this Metallica. AI kind of, I think it might make individual artists seeing them live become a lot more important. Right. And maybe mm. they'll control their own voice and their sound in do these things for mass production. But then you get in if mass production truly becomes scalable via AI, then you're going to move back to more artistic artisanal kind of experiences, I think, for like actual paid consumption, if that makes sense. When I think about brands and someone like Nike, you know, with their huge marketing departments and so forth, they could probably have someone in house that is spending hours upon hours and just going in and trying to figure out prompts and so forth. But they're also going to spend just as much money doing market research far as what people are reacting to and and how they can really enhance what they could get out of the the AI products. Uh, I don't think it's just going to be an end all with something that's generated from AI. It's probably going to be a lot more human interaction involved to figure out will this really stick or how can we make this even more uh, impactful for our message for our brand. Then there's the case of a, company called Eleven Labs uh, that uh, claimed that they were going to be able to do, uh, in, and I think we are seeing this already, really amazing voice synthesis that you give it your voice and it will <laughs> generate uh, copy uh, uh, with your voice and so forth. There are other companies uh, offering this, except the folks at 4chan got a hold of it. Right, row when it came out of uh, beta this past week (laughs) and started posting disturbing, but almost indistinguishable from the real thing. I I don't know. I haven't heard it because I don't want to go on 4chan, but things like Emma Watson of uh, the Harry Potter series, reading Mein Kampf, uh, Donald Trump on Epstein Island. uh, Well, that's real. Ben Shapiro. Uh, making racist comments to AOC. Um, and the problem is that I think people could fall for these, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty saying, I'm going to beat my wife, Morty. <laughs> Which, of course, the creator of the show is in trouble for for doing that. Um, his girlfriend. Uh, of course, 4chan, 11 Labs immediately <laughs> kind of shut down. They're uh, they're open beta. They're trying to figure out a way to stop misuse. This seems to happen every yeah, time, doesn't it? Yeah. They're going to have the media go crazy about, oh, my God, this is going to be the ruin of civilization. We figure it out. It is OK. It is not crazy to be like, hey, it is super accessible to produce highly accurate seeming fake videos, audio, et cetera, of anybody in the world. That is not moral panic, Jeff. That is a legitimate. Did, did I say the word moral panic? <laughs> Did I say the words moral panic? No, it's, but you said media it's, it's gets It's cause for concern. Is, yeah. Uh, but what it really, and, and we talked about it on Sunday on Twitter, and I, you know, the conclusion seemed to be, well, there's just going to be an onus. On, you can't believe everything you hear anymore. You couldn't for exactly. a while. Amen. And she's just well, going well, to people, people don't believe. So 
people use this to condemn social media. In most every survey out there, people say that they don't trust social media. That's good news. Yeah. They don't, right? They don't, but they still let it influence them. I like one of my like my first journalism class, like journalism 101, you know, our professor got in there and was like, he, he told us about this new study that, you know, toothpaste had sugar in it and it was actually harmful for people. And, you know, he passed out an article or something and we were all like, he was like, all right, you know, let's talk about it. And then he asked us, you know, do we believe this? And, you know, half of the class was like, uh, yeah. Here it is. Mm. And the other half was like, well, I don't know. But then even at the very end, the class still had pulled like the cl- a quarter of the people were like, oh, my God, it's still scary. I, you know, it sowed enough doubt in 24, like half the, or a quarter of the class that, you know, they may not believe this sort of thing is true, but they're also like, well, maybe it is. So, so by the way, it's, it's the not window. true, right? There is no sugar in it. It is no, there is no sugar. <laughs> okay. well, no sugar <laughs> it's sweet. So you could believe you might believe that. It's yes. It, that's that was his his I you know, he was like, people want to believe what it's easy to believe. And you know <laughs> Do you believe this? I hereby verify that I, Leo Laporte, like the script to create an overdubbed version of my voice. Why do you want this, Anthony? No idea. Well, hey, 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 it's AI Leo Laporte, the AI tech guy. This week on Twit. That was uh, something Anthony That's did for our, good. for our promo. That's pretty daggum good. For our promo. That's pretty daggum good. I mean, it, it's... Yes, it had a few of the little robots. You could tell it wasn't it was me. A, but it, it was a little robotic. But it was but, my voice. Man. Actually, the only thing wrong with it was the inflections were wrong. It was, hey, hey, hey. That's, yeah. that's I'm Leo, Leo about three hours into the show. Yeah. Well, you're really but the tired. voice was accurate. It sounded like my voice. Yeah. Just give it time. Yeah. <laughs> Open AI offers error-prone AI detector <laughs> amid fears of a machine-stuffed future. This is from <laughs> Katiana Quachet, uh, the register. Uh, OpenAI has released a free online tune designed to deflect uh, accusations (laughs) against OpenAI for cheating with GPT. It's dubbed the AI Text Classifier. Have you seen this yet? Is this being used in academia, Jeff? I've heard a lot of talk about these things. There there was a kid that did one version. I also saw a writer who put her own writing into it, and she was accused of using (laughs) GPT for what she'd already written years ago. A false positive is is a problem because you're going to be accused of plagiarism with something you really wrote is not good. Yeah. Schools and universities in the U.S., France, and India have since banned students from accessing chat GPT. But then there's teachers like you talked about, Jeff, last week who are using chat GPT in the classroom. There's a, there's a woman on TikTok who's just amazing, very creative about it, and wonderful. Um, and, and, and I want to talk to my colleagues about it. One, one colleague said, you know, when, when we use transcription tools these days, which broadcast students have to use a lot, it's using AI like crazy right? Um, to do that. I put up a thing on, on the rundown. You're not going to want to. It's, it's an academic paper on line 77. But uh, I think it was Google, according to somebody in Mastodon, um, brought together professional writers to ask how they would see using these tools. And they broke down various functions of inspiring an idea, a seed of a story, completing an idea, working it through, 
Uh, I, you know, I think that's where that's where the, this becomes interesting to me is when you, you you see this tool as a tool, then what can people do with it? Uh, how does it expand what they're capable of? That's what's interesting. But the it's going to replace us now. What uh, we talked about uh, CNET's use of uh, artificial intelligence to write its articles. Did you ever right? hear which engine they used? They have so their critical. own engine called Wordsmith. Oh, you see. Oh, that's actually this paper's about Wordsmith too. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So it was uh, clearly a bad one. Well, I, yeah. So it had inaccuracies, which the human editors no, did this not is wordcraft. Catch. I'm sorry. This is wordcraft. Yeah. But that isn't really the issue to me. The issue to me is remember those old days of link farms? Uh, you were talking about this. Yes. It was somebody's uh, brilliant idea, put a lot of venture capital into it to create sites where you would figure out, you'd, you'd, you'd figure out from Google what were the most searched. Search right terms. after about.com did that, then others copied it. What was the name of that? There was a name for that kind of thing. Oh, um, it wasn't Link Farm, but it was like that. It was, it was. Uh, I can't remember. Click farming? No, that's ad click. No, it was like, uh, link baiting? No, uh, the idea is you figure out what the top search terms are and then you write articles tailored to get. Oh, that's just search optimization, isn't it? Well, no, no, no. It's you, you're You're creating it. So let's say no, I know. you notice that when people look that people do a search for belt buckles yeah. <laughs> a lot. So you, or mesothelioma. Or mesothelioma. And so you create a bunch oh. of articles with the plan Which that about dot com. Oh, those are content farms. Very content well. farms. There you go. Content farms. That's it. Thank you. Uh, about.com so, did it very well. Others copied it. I can't remember the name of the company. And then though, our friend Matt Cutts did everything he could to, to stop that from happening. Right. I think successfully. That was, that was Panda. Panda yeah. was the first major update to search to deal with that. Well, there are those, mostly The Verge, accusing CNET of going, and and more than CNET, their, their private equity owners, Red Ventures, of deciding to monetize CNET by making it a content farm, by using these yeah. AIs to generate articles that. that will show up in search results. And they also own, Red Ventures doesn't just own CNET, they own the Points Guy and uh, some credit card review sites and all of them make money by generating content that is going to show up on search so you click on it and then you get affiliate revenue the real thing here is content and writing not reporting i'm going to anticipate stacy because she's going to say reporting but content and writing are utterly commodified now it's not special to write anymore well that uh, was connie guglielmo's contention so when connie was on twit this story had just broken uh, she's the editor-in-chief of CNET, and she said, we have these AIs write the articles that writers don't want to do. They're just boring, you know, explainers on, you know, personal finance, and so nobody really wants to write it. So we just have the AI write it, and then we have an editor check it, and then we put it up because these are useful to people, but nobody, you know, yeah, we would like our writers to do other stuff. they were things that written a hundred times before. Yeah. It's like, no, but they're also, yeah, a useful personal finance primer is actually something people would want to, I mean, as a writer, you may hate doing it. Like I used to hate doing, but like servicey things should not be farmed out to AIs. Well, like, I think CNET like, learned that lesson. That, but I don't think that's what CNET is doing, right? They're not uh, doing the serviceable stuff. It's more of the. No, that's what they wanted to do to. is have a that's whole series doing. of 75 uh, articles on personal finance. So they'd have this encyclopedia and it did kind of me mesh nicely with red ventures other holdings of credit card companies and there is some <laughs> there's some suspicion that maybe and this often happens with private equity 
that you know they want to monetize quickly because they usually have a lot of debt that they need to pay off right. to acquire these. Right. So they uh, maybe were taking this venerable and and valuable brand CNET and turning it into content farms. Here's the article from Search Engine Land. Barry Schwartz is AI written content replacing cheap old content farms. Um, it sounds like Google Panda. <laughs> yeah, you know. Let's look. Yeah. Can I look at another angle, sir? Sure. So this AI-generated content is bringing eyeballs there. Yes, there's affiliate links and things of that nature, but what about the potential of retention of the, of the eyeballs coming there? Oh, well, while I'm here, how about I click on this menu over here to check out this other topic that may be of interest to me? Oh, the new M2 Max are out. What did they, what did they have to say about that? You know, it, it's... Well, is, so is there's there a lot of interest in M2 Max... But what you would hope is you would get an article that was written by a human being that did some research, did some benchmarking, right. did some tests instead of and a CNET does that. CNET does that. They for, do that. He's saying this could be like gateway. The AI content is like a gateway. Get you in the door. Right. When you're searching. It holds you on right? to the site. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, whatever. It's not real content. That's my point. And it's not written. Uh, it's written to gain yeah. search clicks. Exactly. As yeah. opposed to serve an audience. I mean, news has always been written to gain some sort of eyeball, right? So Every daggum headline. Yeah, you look at, <laughs> I mean, yes, there is actual journalism, but believe you me, there's, for every real story, there's three, you know, filtered press releases or silly things yeah. that are well, yeah. true. Yeah. So, Here's what the Verge wrote. The robot articles published on CNET don't need to be good. They need to rank highly. In Google searches, so lots of people open them and click the lucrative affiliate marketing links they contain. And so that's why you have articles, uh, things like uh, what's the best uh, credit card to get with for points right. or uh, can you buy a gift card with a credit card or what is Zelle and how does it work? These are all real articles on CNET or Bankrate or creditcards.com before they were taken down. And and talk to me for a minute because you just said it again for a minute. You you get, I don't know the word is disgusted, turned off uh, by news. Yeah, because a, a lot of it is sensationalized and shouldn't have to be. And then there's a whole lot of slant when it's supposed to be news. Just just give me the facts. And I, I found that to be the case with just about all of the, the news outlets out there today. Instead of just giving me the facts, they're giving me their opinions and, and all kinds of other mess that has nothing to do with the facts. I, I don't I don't need all it. I don't care. So just. You know, well, but, but, but quick, I would so. submit that there is the value. The facts are value. not helpful. Yeah. OK. Yeah, Go ahead. You, Defend you need it, interpretation. Stacey. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yes, there are certainly times when the facts make sense. Right. Yeah. But most people need more than the facts. They need some sort of context. So it's not enough to say, like, let's take. Uh, I agree about context. Um, but OK, but choosing the context is what people get frustrated about. They think that's opinionizing in a lot of ways. Like, you know, I can choose if I am going to report on let's let's say I'm going to report on. uh uh, give me something like a new law. I'll give you one. City Council. I'll give you one. Okay, give me the uh, Fed today raised interest rates twenty five basis points. That's the Ooh. fact. Ooh. but 
what a good writer will do is say that's lower than previous raises, which some experts believe means the Fed's less worried about inflation than they used to be. That's the context. You could talk about the yeah, you could talk about the last time it was raised twenty five or two hundred and fifty basis points, what that meant. Right. You see, everything you all are saying right now, that that's totally fine. I'm I'm talking about there's well, then there's well, also if I say it last happened under really, a Republican really administration one way or another. Right. You know, there's, there's ways, there's ways to say. Hard, yeah. So there's so that's right. the two different headlines. You could say Fed rates, Fed raises interest rates 25 basis points. It looks like inflation's not over, folks. Or Fed raises interest rates 25 basis points. Looks like they're not so worried about inflation as they were previously. Two different interpretations. On the or same Brad fact. DeLong has a book out now that I'm listening to. Uh, slouching toward uh, utopia, I think it's called, in which he argues strenuously that causing a recession to slow down the economy is basically amoral. Well, that's that's a clear opinion. That's a view. He's an economist, and so he has that that view. Um, now, is that slant or is that perspective? I find it really valuable as perspective, but I know people are going to disagree with it. Perspective is is is. I'm fine with perspective. I just don't care for the dagum cheerleaders with all of the pom-poms that are leaning one way or the other just 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 give me the facts well but some people feel like i mean one person's cheerleader is another person's fact person i mean like people Uh, have accused me for years of being a cheerleader for various industries yeah you know when in fact i just acknowledge like the technical limitations of something that a company might have right they're like no you can't do this i'm like well you know Mm -hmm. So that's what you want isn't that's just your opinion. It's just your opinion, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's only your opinion, man. <laughs> uh, I know what you're saying, Ann, and I think some of this comes from the fact that we have in uh, the United States three 24-hour news channels, each of which right. have right. very they strong. Have their own T- yeah, TV, TV yeah. news yeah. is horrifying. Yeah. 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 Just no. Just like us. But it's a matter. It's a matter of degree. To the masses, you know. It's a matter of degree. I think we try really hard not to be biased, but but our entire job is not to provide facts because we're caught talking about already reporting somebody's done, but to explain, to elaborate, to elucidate. Uh-huh. So we are mm-hmm. doing that. I guess it's really a matter of degree, or I don't know. Yeah, everything kind of turns into a matter of degree. To be totally honest, yeah, it's all gray goo at the bottom. All right, let me take a break. We got lots more to talk about. I, I think the we're going to be talking about a lot about AI. People are going to get bored to death with it, but there's just so much interesting well, stuff it's so happening. Fascinating. It mm. really is, and its impact on us. And it's funny because the whole tech industry for the last five years has been looking over there. Look at VR, AR. That's going to be the next uh-huh. big thing. And all of a sudden, and this always happens. AI sneaks up on them and wait, they went, whoa, never mind that AI, VR AI. <laughs> AI! <laughs> and it's right. really fascinating to me. I mean, literally, Microsoft fired most of the people working on augmented reality. Uh, when's the last time Google talked about <laughs> VR AR? Facebook uh, is kind of Facebook, Facebook put a lot of money, but I, I, I wonder if they're how hard they're working on it right now. And they've got big, they've always had big AI labs too. In fact, I, Jan LeCun, who is their AI guru there, one of the smartest guys in AI, when when talking about chat GPT last week said, oh, that's no big deal. We have that. 
<laughs> Which is either just jealousy. <laughs> oh, yeah, we thought of that before. Well, look what or, happened to BuzzFeed. So BuzzFeed announced they were going to have AI write quizzes and the stupid BuzzFeed stuff, right? And then uh, Facebook is going to give them a lot of money to do that. BuzzFeed stock doubled from two cents yeah. to four cents, whatever. But, but uh, you know, now uh, it's seen as a way... It, it, I think it's going the wrong way once again. It's, oh, good, more content. This it's is Jonah Peretti in a nutshell. Same thing. Yes, it is. It is yes, chasing it is. The, the flavor of the month. And it's what BuzzFeed has always done. And it's what our, the industry has always done. So I hope Bingo. we're not doing that. I guess that was my, that was what I led off this whole conversation with, which is, is this the, another AI spring that's just going to end up with an AI winner? Or is this really transformative? Are we about to enter the I next, the as, right as Ben Thompson says, the next epoch? of computing, you know, equivalent mm -hmm. to the internet and smartphones and, uh, you know, I think we need to get thing. that same uh, AI that did the Seinfeld show to do twig. Oh, it'd be so boring. <laughs> oh my God. It'd be so boring. <laughs> well, we talk about AI. Um, I guess AI is going to be way bigger than the blockchain discussions. Over I the was just thinking that. Yep. Yeah, we kind of got I over agree. blockchain, didn't we? <laughs> I'm going to disagree because to me, blockchain is a fundamental underlying technology that's also uh -huh. going to be useful for lots of things. Right. But we just got sidetracked on this whole crypto, crypto. finance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's being used actually in businesses right now for like tracking information already. It's mm -hmm. just not going to be as big as we thought it would be. It's going to be like. It's not it's as shiny, be like, right? Yeah, it's going to be like deduping technology or something that's really essential and useful, but nobody cares about, right? Mm. Blockchain is just a decentralized database. Right. And, it's and a decentralized ledger. We're as excited about blockchain as we are about MySQL. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah, people are going to use it. It's a, it's a, in some For cases. For a while, I was really excited about NoSQL databases and <laughs> good. The, I mm. mean, it was a big deal. It's similar. Mm. It's very, it, that, uh, if you, you want to say them. blockchain is on that level of importance, I would agree with you. Yeah. 100%. That's, that's what is I'm saying. Is it going to transform the financial it's... world? Is it going to empower uh, unbanked people all over the globe? No. 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 And poor Kevin Rose. Is it a mechanism by which we can have automated smart contracts? Yes. Yeah. And that will be relevant. It's just not relevant in a way that people are going to see. Yeah. Yeah. Is right. there a Kevin update? Uh, well, he lost his squiggles. So, uh, Kevin, as you uh, last week, we were reporting uh, as it happened that Kevin had announced he'd been hacked. He has uh, revealed that the NFTs that he lost were these really, really pretty squiggles. It's actually on. I don't even need to scroll down into his Twitter. It's the header on his Twitter. But this is the funny thing. So he lost that, but he could still make it his but Twitter. It's right there. Better. It's right there. What did you lose? Yep. Yep. You, you lost the right to say, I own this. You lost the right to sell it to some. That's what he really lost. Yeah. He says he lost millions of dollars. He was uh, a social. Oh, here's a, here's a picture. Somebody sent him taking his little squiggle away. <laughs> <laughs> um, taking away the squiggle. Ad? Yeah, I was going to do an ad. <laughs> <laughs> Stacy knows sooner the end comes sooner the end comes sooner the end comes sooner the end comes look at even though this one was simple not rare loved the pattern damn chromie squiggle number 4429 I'd be very curious what he paid for that actually 
He says, damn, I loved this one, too. <laughs> okay. Our show is on open sea, invisible. It's pretty. He can't get it. Is that that's what he's saying? It's on open sea, the marketplace. But yeah. he can't get it. Well, it was his. He owned it and he was social engineered right. out of it. So uh it's worth seventeen thousand one hundred and ninety seven dollars. Uh, is it though? Is it though? <laughs> to someone. Is it Crow Vault owns it. See, Kevin knows this is the pro. This is the benefit of blockchain. You know mm-hmm. who owns it? Mm-hmm. Crow Vault, mm-hmm. whoever that is. So it used to be Kevin's. Okay, our show today. Actually, you want to make a cro- a squiggle worth millions? Maybe you should check out Miro. Do you know about Miro? Mm-hmm. Miro is super cool. We welcome Miro and brand new sponsor uh, on the network. Miro is. Can be anything. You start with the idea of it's a a uh, a shared whiteboard, okay, a collaborative visual whiteboard. But what is that? Well, this is why I want you to go to Miro.com/podcast and take a look. And in fact, I most particularly want you to go to the Miro examples, the templates. They have a a page of other Miro whiteboards people have created that is so cool. So exciting! Uh, I, you know, I think you will you will look at this. So I, this is what I want you to do, so you can understand it. Who is it for? It's for everybody. It's for project product managers. It's for marketers. Or they call it the Miroverse, where other people's Miros are. So you can and you can download these and use them as a template for your own. Everything from icebreakers for your next meeting to flowcharts for your next project, team alignment circles, team psychological safety, digital campaign planning, midnight sailboat retrospective. <laughs> Here's a Beatles retrospective somebody's created. There's, It's unlimited what you can do. Now, the next time you use, you got a meeting, I want you to use Miro for your meeting. Miro has built-in polls, timers. You can get, head to consensus Using Miro, it's so much more than just a simple digital whiteboard. It's a visual collaboration tool packed with features so that you and your whole team can build on one another's ideas, create something innovative. And nowadays, with everybody working from home or hybrid, it's really nice to be able to get the team together over this Miro whiteboard for brainstorming and planning and researching and designing for feedback cycles, it can live on a Miro board. The integrations, look at the integrations. You could do a Kanban on your Miro board. And it's fast. It's fast. Faster input means faster outcomes. Miro users report Miro increases project delivery speed by 29%. It's just a natural way to work. You can zoom in and out. You can view and share the big picture overview in a cinch. And you know what you'll find with when, when you're working with teams and everybody has a voice and everybody's input is welcome, you can all tap into a single source of truth that keeps people engaged, invested, happy, and productive. Cut out any confusion on who needs to do what by mapping out processes, roles, timelines. Get that Kanban up. Several different templates, including Miro's swim lane diagram, which is a great way to keep track of who's doing what. Strategic planning becomes easier when it's visual and accessible. 
You can tap into a way to map processes, systems, and plans with the whole team so they not only can see it, they can have input and feedback into it. The only problem is it's so it's so flexible and capable, it's hard to describe what Miro could do. That's why I want you to go to Miro.com slash podcast. Go to the Miroverse. Take a look at some of the amazing things people have created with Miro. Get some ideas. Some of the biggest companies in the world use Miro. Take a look at the integrations, all the different things you can you can put into Miro. So you're you know you're working with the tools you already know like Slack, and uh, and Dropbox and Box and so forth, and 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 Google of course Google Drive. You can create a team workspace. You could find put in shortcuts so you go right to what you're working on. I know teams that literally literally live in Miro all day. They keep it open all day. Connect it to GitHub. Connect it to wherever your projects live. I just love this idea. It's such a brilliant product. And and I love it that they've put all the tools on so you can take a look at how you can how you can use it. And of course it's completely secure. You're gonna love Miro. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Miro.com slash podcast right now. Take a look at what Miro can do for you. Strategic planning is so much easier. It's a great way to map processes and systems, to map plans with the whole team. And if you're feeling a little tired and who isn't these days, you'll be glad to know Miro users report saving 80 hours per user per year just by cutting down meeting times, streamlining conversations. That's two whole weeks, two whole work weeks a year. It's like having an extra vacation. More than a million users use Miro every single month. And now I know why Miro, M-I-R-O dot com slash podcast. Here's the best part. You can get your first three boards free so you could try it out right now. Start working better together. Miro.com slash podcast. I told him, I said, I am so excited. We're going to start using this for our Ask the Tech Guys show. Mike and I are going to do some planning on it. I, I'm thrilled about it. But look at this Miroverse for just a kind of a glimpse at some of the things people are doing with it. It's pretty incredible. And you'll never want to have another meeting without Miro running in the background and the timers and the polls and the consensus building uh, tools they're just fantastic here's a harry potter retrospective created by the uk government <laughs> post meeting summary look at this what a great board this would be to have collaborative meeting agenda ideation workshop miro.com and stinky fish miro.com i don't know what that is it's miro.com slash podcast it's fun that's, I think, a lot of it. It's visual, it's fun, it's exciting. Give it a try. Three boards free. Miro.com slash podcast. On we go. Leave the commercial. Pardon AI? me? Yes. Before you leave that that ad, uh, my colleague Jeremy Kaplan at the New, 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 New Mark, uh, Graduate School of Journalism, who's a brilliant educator and knows every tool out there. He loves Miro. Oh, nice. And he uh, uh, brings it into class all the time, uh, attaches it to events, attaches it to Zoom. Uh, there's all kinds of ways. That yeah, yeah, yeah. It so works. You can log in with Zoom and use it with your tool. Zoom meetings. Uh, yep. Here's a here's a cover story mockups you could use to figure out what your cover story is going to look like or what your story is going to look like on all these different publications. There's just so many ways. Yeah, yeah. I think for teaching, it'd be really cool. It's very, it's very good. Yeah, it involves like it. people in collaboration. Yep. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm actually, I'm excited about the idea of these new tools can give us new ways of working together, new ways of thinking even. That's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty exciting. Uh, Meta has uh, survived its first challenge in its uh, acquisition of uh, within the virtual reality startup. A judge, uh, the FTC asked for a, a, a judge to uh, uh, rest- issue a restraining order preventing Meta from closing the deal while the FTC is considering it. Uh, the judge said, no, no, uh, we, I am not going to block it. Uh, U.S. District Judge Edward Davila in an early uh, sealed decision early this morning. It's sealed, but it, of course, immediately leaked. Uh, Leah Nyland uh, at Bloomberg had the story. Denied the FTC's request for a preliminary injunction to block the proposed transaction while the agency pursues a separate case in its in-house court. So Meta will now be able to go ahead. But the FTC can still... Go after they it can and stop it later. Invested or what? Or yeah, they could say, okay, mm-hmm. never mind. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. You know, this is the um, within makes uh, a, a VR game called Supernatural. Um, that is a very very good game, very popular, and it's all about uh, partly about fitness. And I think uh, Meta really wants to get into this area. They already have a program actually that does this. So the argument is they're trying to do the same thing they did with Instagram, which is put competitors or get rid of competitors by acquiring them. to, uh, And so that's, I think, going to be the FTC's argument. We shall see. It's not like this, this, this you know, this space is, is just there's a handful of competitors. I think there's quite a few, but no, it's not a, a monopoly issue. Uh, we talked about Elon Jet, the Elon flight tracker, which upset Elon so much he called it uh, assassination coordinates, banned... Jack Sweeney, the college kid from Florida who does the Elon Jet uh, account from Twitter. And then when he moved to Mastodon, banned mention of Mastodon on Twitter. (laughs) He's back down on that a little bit. But the flight tracker that Elon Jet and these other jet tracking uh, accounts use is called ADSB Exchange. And it's an interesting story. This is kind of a collaborative effort. Uh, Turns out Planes, all planes have transponders identifying them by tail number. Uh, and other planes use this. Uh, tra- I presume traffic control and flight control uses it as well. So they know what's up there. But there is no publicly available database of this. So what the guy who owns ADSB Exchange did is he got people to put up little radio receivers all over the globe and report in. He set up software that would automatically let them report in. And eventually they were able to, with thousands of uh, trackers build a pretty decentralized flight tracking yeah they put a really great you know open platform for this unfortunately (laughs) it was owned by one guy the costs were high i imagine for running this he created i guess the software dan strufert is his name uh he created the software to collect this information um and uh built this site but while revenue is increasing, costs are also increasing. So uh, last month, uh, as the site was getting all that attention for Elon Jet, the site's founder and sole owners announced he was planning, actually there were rumors that he was planning to sell the website to JetNet. He's the sole owner. He did. Uh, 
and after the deal became public uh, last week, uh, there was a mutiny. Shortly after the deal became public, Strufer was removed from the Discord as the site's users contemplated their next move. Um, a, a, rev, a revolt was uh, led by um, James Stanford. A revolt just against the idea, or they no, not, no, because pro, because it? JetNet was uh, had previously been purchased by our favorite villain of the week, Private Equity. And uh, so James Stanford, who's one of ADSB Exchange's senior administrators, said, uh, hey, we're going to, this is not good. You do this and you're going to lose all of your volunteers who put these radios and then and, and uh-huh. up and put this signal on. Ah, okay. They're volunteers. So they'll just take out, well, yeah. that's, that's a good indicator to private equity that maybe they don't want to invest in decentralized things. Yeah. Stanford wrote, no. ADSBExchange.com is done. He uh, posted instructions on how to unplug from the network. Um, some Many follow those instructions, according to Ars Technica, with some flipping over to some smaller alternatives like airframes. Uh, in a span of a few hours, it went from 11,000 feeders to 9,500. Jack Sweeney, the guy who ran Elon Jet, said today is a sad day. If you feed ADSB Exchange, we encourage you to stop. ADSB Exchange is founded on the principles of hobbyist communities, not for-profit public equity firms. So, yeah, don't... <laughs> it reminds me, remember CDDB, which was, again, the same thing. People uploaded, they would they would burn their CDs and then upload track information to the centralized database so that all could use it. IMDB, same idea. These were all acquired. And then companies profited off of this volu- these volunteer efforts. Stacy's point is really interesting here. Um, what is this? You know, if you look at Mastodon and you hope that there is some investment in some of the tools around it, but your point, Stacy, is that is an investor going to be scared of anything that can, can bring revolt, right? Well, yeah. I mean, like, what is if Like, a lot of these people... I mean, it's kind of a tragedy of the commons in, in the software world, I guess. Yes. You might start building something because you're interested in it. But at a certain point in time, there are costs and effort that you may not be willing to give. So maybe you open source it, give it out. Um, maybe you invest, you decide to invest in it and build in it for the community. But once you start doing that, you know, then there's the very real question like, hey, when I die, what happens? Or if I get sick of doing this? How do I get out? And if someone comes up and offers you several million dollars or whatever. $20 million. $20 million. I mean, yeah, they're going to take the money. Now, furthermore, they now. As private equity. As, yeah, it's private equity. They now have to recoup their $20 million. So Yeah. So, I mean, but if you're a private equity fund, I don't know why, like, if you're doing your due diligence, I don't understand why you would invest that much in something that is reliant on well, your core values. Elon, Elon might have written a check. Elon was so upset about Flight Tracker. Yeah. I could see mm-hmm. him okay, saying, so "Take it out, hey, take it out, boys." Flight Aware, uh, which is a commercial uh, site, and Flight Radar, they do the same thing for for money. Maybe they just yeah. You know, I was going to say that. I mean, we have Flight Tracker and Flight Aware. They, I mean, there are services that do this. So, 
Yeah, they're all commercial. I, I guess I, it just seems like a bad investment from a private perspective. I'm yeah, like, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, I agree. I'm on that's the ADSB site, and there's no mention of the acquisition or anything, not even in their forums. Uh, how recent was this? Uh, last week. Last week or so. You would think they would have something up to say, you know what, um, things are going to be changing. Well, maybe uh, they don't want to. Uh, I mean, look, again, it's a volunteer force of people doing this. Mm. And when all of that went down with Elon Musk and his private jet or the family's private jet or what have you, did he publicly uh, announce that, look, I, I don't want this to be tracked? Because I thought there were some type of procedures. To, you could do that, yeah. Did, did he follow through with that and still had that information put out there by these tracking systems? That's not cool if that's the case. Uh, well, there's nothing you could do about it, except a lot of celebrities do, which is uh, anonymously rent jets. So mm -hmm. the tail number is not associated directly with you. Elon owns that jet, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. But I uh, thought, I think that's right. I thought I read something that said, I have no link, so I don't know. I'm just like a chat GPT without facts um, that said that you could <laughs> withdraw your tail from these reporting things. I thought. Uh, you can, unless you have enthusiasts on the ground <laughs> tracking your transponder. You can't turn off the transponder. Ah, uh, okay. Right, right. You have to do it through a formal, like a licensed service. But if it's an unlicensed service tracking it, I then see. who cares? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just people on the yes, ground. It is illegal not to have a transponder. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise planes would run into each other. Right. Got it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the tracking, I'm reading a, so this is an article from NBC when this mm -hmm. all happened. How is it legal to track private planes? <laughs> How <laughs> could that be legal? The tracking capabilities are possible thanks to a technology called ADBSB or Automatic Dependent Surveillance Broadcast. Uh, every, surveillance? Did I hear every three seconds? Uh -oh. Every three seconds, ADSB equipment on a plane sends out real time data <laughs> about the aircraft's location, altitude, and velocity to avoid mid air collisions and to allow people on the ground to know where an airplane is at all times. Um, ADSB technology is mandated by the FAA on all aircraft. It should be at all self-driving cars, too. Yeah. <laughs> right. So this is the difference. You probably could go to Flight Aware or Flight Tracker and say, hey, don't, please don't put my plane up there. They're commercial entities. But I'm sure the CIA Exchange, does that. Yeah. But you, but you can't do that with ADBSB Exchange because it's just a bunch of enthusiasts with the radios. Uh, Dan Struford yeah. said, all these folks send data in. We aggregate the info and put it on a map. The purpose of this is not for being a paparazzi. It's for aviation enthusiasts. There's a really cool plane heading your way. But it sure did sound like yeah. paparazzi, though, in he, his story. He says, we publish everything. Oh. It's already public data. We're not sharing anything you couldn't find from any other sources. Flight Radar and Flight Aware do actively suppress flight information about planes whose operators have asked the FAA to block their registration number from public view. But the ADSB exchange is not using the FAA feeds. So it's not, mm -hmm. it's just yeah, enthusiasts. So well, I would that explains it. Paps probably do use it. Yeah. I mean, a journalist would use any tool available to them to get this mm -hmm. guy. And, you know, there's, there's a public interest in maybe not tracking 
Elon, but in even like Wall Street firms, like mm-hmm. knowing that a CEO has flown, you know, their plane has gone to. Yeah. Yeah. You're using the, the public's airwaves. You know, I mean, I don't know. I feel Fly like commercial with the mustache, you know, <laughs> like, like I do. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, the FAA does have a program that allows planes to encode their ADSB signals so that they cannot be matched to other information in the publicly available civil aviation registry. Uh-huh. Um, it's unclear, according to NBC, whether Musk participates in that blocking program. Okay. Uh, right, and so Struford says in many cases, uh, other high-profile fi- people don't appear to take advantage of such programs, which is surprising, Struford said. A lot are vocal about yeah. the privacy issues, and sometimes they don't seem to be doing all they can to prevent this. So you could... You could do that, right? And still be compliant with with the law. So I don't know why. Why that? Why don't maybe they, they do just it? haven't had their uh, personal assistance? They're not aware to send them off to That's do exactly this. Right. All right. <laughs> That's exactly right. All right. Exactly right. I was curious. Big victory against ransomware. We talked about this yesterday on Security Now. The FBI. So Hive, which is a ransomware as a service. I hate to say company, but that's what they do. They have affiliates who uh, are people like you and me who decide they want to make a little money on the side. And Hive provides the software and, uh, I guess, helpful information to let you attack people using their software. You give them back a percentage of your income from ransomware. Hive is one of the bigger ransomware-as-a-service groups like Revol and others we've talked about on Security Now. The DOJ revealed this week that the FBI had been infiltrated the Hive ransomware group in July of last year. And that for the last six months, they've been saving people. They gave out more than 300 decryption keys to those hacked so they wouldn't have to pay the ransomware. Nice. Aww. Oh, so nice. Hive is nasty. They were attacking schools, hospitals, financial companies, even infrastructure in more than 80 countries around the world. One hospital was left unable to accept new patients. Thanks to Hive. Uh, the FBI worked with a number of different uh, nations, uh, law enforcement agencies, 50 uh, organizations in the UK. For instance, they gave 50 companies decryption keys they also uh, were able to warn people that you're next so they could lock themselves down. You got to do this carefully because they didn't want the hive people to know that they'd infiltrated them, right? It's like knowing the Enigma machine. You can't, you can't be too smart. Thursday, they ended the operation taking down Hive's website and communications networks with the help of police forces in Germany and the Netherlands. Hive, it's believed, was operating out of Russia. They didn't, they didn't arrest anybody, right? Because they're and- in Russia. Yeah. One could start, the hive could start up again and start doing it again. That's a good, and it happens all the time. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mandiant uh, intelligence head John Holtquist said, until the group is arrested, they will never truly be gone. They will have to reconstitute, which takes time, but I bet they reappear in time. As of now, if you're a hive affiliate and you go to the hive website, you'll see this. This hidden site has been seized. (laughs) The FBI has seized this site. It looks like malware. It looks like malware, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Polizei Baden-Württemberg. Yeah. Um, They did catch the Revil guys last year. Actually, in 2021. 
So uh, they they were able they are able to arrest them in some cases. The problem is I think Russia protects these uh, ransom. This is their this is another kind of cold war that they wage against the West. And so these I believe these uh, groups are protected often by Russia. But more and more we're seeing countries fight back. Australia says now we're gonna we're gonna hack the hackers. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Anyway, success. Well done. Bravo. Uh, Ev Williams says, I'm sorry, Biz Stone, not Ev. Biz Stone says, one of the founders of Twitter, Elon doesn't really seem like the right person to own Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I love how these uh, Twitter, former Twitter folks are so reluctant to say really nasty things like, what a jerk. Uh, Stone says, uh, running social media companies is not really a win-win situation. It's always tough because 50% of the people are going to be happy. 50% of the people are going to be upset with you. You have to be okay with stuff you just don't like or don't agree with being on there. Otherwise, you should just go buy a magazine or a newspaper or something where it's okay to have a specific leaning. When uh, when uh, Biz was asked by The Guardian uh, in an interview whether uh, Musk was the right owner for Twitter, he said, it doesn't seem like it right now, but I could be wrong. <laughs> he doesn't seem like he's having fun. <laughs> it doesn't seem like he's having a lot of fun. So I'm reading a really a, a good book right now, which I've mentioned right over the, over the time, Tom Gillespie's Custodians of the Internet, uh, which is all about mon- moderation. And, you know, what he says in the beginning, because that's all I've read so far, it's really interesting. He said that the mistake that Twitter and Facebook at all made was they didn't realize that they were moderation companies. They weren't hosting companies. That the essence of what they do is moderation. And they've got and they needed to acknowledge that and admit that and budget for that and build around that. And they didn't. Well, it's just what um Amy Webb, one of our favorite uh, contributors on our shows, uh, she's a futurist, says. Companies should be doing strategic planning for the future. They need to think. They can't just do quarter by quarter. They really have to look ahead at the at the risks, deeply understand what the risks are of the businesses that they're in, and plan for it. Well, wouldn't you say that? Uh, I think Google does that. Well, you Facebook know better. You wrote the book. What would that. Google do? You know better than <laughs> Facebook I. thinks it's doing that with AR, VR, and giving up on social. Right. I think they. Kind of do that. I mean, Twitter right now is not. <laughs> That's because Musk right, can't right. plan. Uh, this is an old story, but I, I became aware of it thanks to uh, Mike Masnick on Tech Dirt. Just down the road from you, Stacy, the Seattle School District. You tried to talk about this last week, and I told you no. Okay, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. I'm sorry I brought it up. Hey, see, it's not a democracy. If he wants to talk about it, he can talk about it. Don't cancel. No, I'll listen to her. I won't listen to you, but I will listen to her. I know that. I mean, if there were, if there was, if there was a snowball's chance in hell, if this was more than just like pandering to a base, I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. But they're so in social media because it's bad for the children. All right, all right. I did not watch. I did not attend this morning's. Samsung Galaxy Unpacked event in which they announced the S23 phone with a 200 megapixel sensor. Uh, Stop. 
I, I did you watch it, Aunt? Did anybody? <laughs> anybody? I I caught I caught some of it because I wanted to hear Mr. Howell's thoughts. Um, you know, but as you had said previously, that most of the stuff about the phone was already leaked. So I'm like, eh, whatever. I phone. feel bad because I I just um I didn't show up because I thought it's just going to be a pep rally. I don't I don't really. <laughs> But I wanted to hear Mr. Jason's thoughts, and and um, what I did catch was some talk about uh, XR, and I wanted to hear Miss J- Miss Miss Stacy's thoughts because they talked about matter and this being the year of matter, and you know what does she think of the announcement today? Oh, I didn't hear the matter bits. Now I feel bad. <laughs> um, I was we it, we it started as we finished doing our show this morning recording our show so mm-hmm. i was going to turn it on but then i was i was editing something even even so this this article on uh, gizmodo everything samsung announced at galaxy unpack 2023 is one paragraph <laughs> oh <laughs> that's <laughs> It's, I'm looking for more. That's it. It's one paragraph. They announced three new uh, versions of the Galaxy S23 and three new Windows laptops. That's it. Oh, <laughs> I thought there were Chromebooks. There were, lap- there were actual Windows devices. Uh, yeah, I think so. Did I hear Chromebooks? Chromebooks? I thought they no, were no. Chromebooks. Oh, uh, oh, no. They're called Galaxy Books, but they're Windows-based. So I could see the cons- confusion oh. there. Three oh, new okay. Galaxy Book uh. 3 offerings, including an Ultra tier starting at 2400 bucks. Everything here's here's the long version of the article. It's just a picture. Well, con- <laughs> jeez, Louise. Well, I will say, as part of the whole XR stuff, yeah. and they did have uh, Google folks and Qualcomm folks. I expect um, at Mobile World Congress coming up in February that Qualcomm's going to do a bunch of AR compatible chips. So I've been talking to some people. I'm actually trying out these glasses. Uh, well, I'm trying out a service, but I had to buy glasses to try out this AR service. Um, and they only work with a very limited number of Qualcomm chips. Mm-hmm. And I expect Qualcomm to make some announcements at Mobile World Congress related to that, especially given that uh, Cristiano uh, was up on stage at the Samsung event in the Samsung phones are one of the few places for these fancy Snapdragon AR2 Gen 1 chips. Yeah, no more Exynos. They're going to do Qualcomm, I guess. That was the rumor. Is that what they did, uh, Jason? Jason's in the chat room. Uh, Correct. Yeah. So that's Qualcomm was there as well as, uh, what's his name? Hiroshi Lockheimer? Oh, Hiroshi Lockheimer from from Android, of Android and Google fame? He was also there talking all Google. That's funny because for a while, Samsung never used the A word. Right. They didn't want to mention that these are right. running on Android. It's like they, though, it's like their own thing or something. Oh, because I mean, well, Tizen wasn't even a mobile OS, was it? It was just. I still don't know. No, Tizen was for their watches. Tizen. Yeah, I don't watches. think they put on anything. But watches. The watches and their TVs. Oh, I that's think it right. Was their, yeah, it was kind I of think an it was IoT. Their Android. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think when they started. They were worried that Google might make Android less desirable for them or have more stringent yeah. requirements. So they developed a competing operating system. And then 
they kind of gave up because in the latest version of the Galaxy Wear watches, it's like it's Android Wear plus Tizen, but mostly it's Android Wear. I don't yeah. think I don't think Tizen has a big future. Um, Galaxy Book Three Ultra got a big flashy introduction on stage. I think the cameras, of course, are, are going to be of interest, and I'm sure Ant, you're interested in uh, what the new cameras will do. Well, what I will say about that, sir, is back when iPhone 14 was announced, because that was the last big, big time phone release, uh, episode 147 of my show, Hands on Photography, I discussed the camera hype and that 50 megapixels and how it's a bunch of bunk. Uh, don't <laughs> is, fall for is, this. Is 200, is 200 megapixels crap on a, four times the bunk? Uh, you're right. Well said, sir. Yeah, don't fall for this stuff, folks. But unfortunately, people are. Um, and also, I'd like to say, don't buy this phone right now. Give it three months. You get it a lot cheaper. Yeah. Because it's not that much better than what you already have. I have an S22. Um, I, you know, people I, are keeping their phones longer. Yeah. I think Gartner said that they're not expecting phones, computers, just broadly consumer electronics devices are going to be down for this yeah, year. I, I believe Mr. Howell year. mentioned a stat like that uh, today with it. Oh, um, people job. hold it onto them a lot longer and, and it is what it is because the phones are, we're at a plateau, but they can only do so much, you know? Yeah. Really. The only reason to get rid of them is, your security updates after, you know, right. depending on what you do, I shouldn't say it. like for XR, that's why Qualcomm's pushing so hard for XR. That's why all of these guys are, because that's going to be a, a jump enough in performance to get you to upgrade, presumably. Wow. Look at this. I, uh, as a Google Fi user can upgrade to an S23 plus for 500 bucks, 300 for the S23 <laughs> for the ultra 600 bucks, half price. See, see, what's wrong with that picture, sir? Really? It's half price yeah. for you? Yeah. No. This what color should I get? Green? Bull. Cream? <laughs> Phantom <laughs> black? Bull. Or lavender? These phones are way overpriced. It's ridiculous. We should not have to pay this. Five ninety nine ninety nine. Well, that's a pretty good deal. I don't even need to trade in anything. Maybe I'll pick it up for that. Why? Why? Five ninety nine. Go buy a cool kitchen gadget. Oh Five ninety nine. I get a thousand dollars. I don't. These yeah. phones just they're not. Well, worth the list. That the list for this five ninety nine is twice that. It's thirteen seventy nine. Oh, really? Thirteen seventy nine. I can show you a list price, and you know if you want to pay it, <laughs> feel free. Oh Six hundred dollars off for Google Fi uh, customers. How could I not buy it? <laughs> That's Leo's reflex. <laughs> oh, by the way, you were going to test something for me for this week. What was that? Uh, the the new voice, better voice stuff on the, oh, crap, on the I uh, was. Nexus 7. Let me call you. You disappointed me again. <laughs> <laughs> Let me call you. I'll just call. I oh, turned yeah. it on. Hold on. I turned it on, but I forgot to do anything with it. Who could I call? Who could I call? Do Jeff. we have a phone number you can I can call, call that we could put on, on the air? No, I, I need to be able to put it well, on Lisa? the air. Lisa? Have Jammer B go to the booth and stand next to the mic there in the booth. <laughs> oh, I could call my iPhone. You need background noise. I need to turn on the the, uh, the the leaf blower. Do we have a leaf blower? Oh, get me. Where is Mister Bird? Get me a leaf blower. I can I can ring the doorbell and my dog can go. Oh wait, no, you need my dog to be with you. Never mind. <laughs> I'm gonna call <laughs> myself. The TV's on in the background. Uh, I'm going to call myself and then, uh, I could type. 
What if you <laughs> call me while I'm typing? Yeah. If it can cut out Stacy's typing. Well, no, you know it, calls, it, it cuts out my end of the thing. Oh, sorry. Oh, I, oh, I need this technology. Oh, it went straight to voicemail because I'm on the radio. <laughs> Never I'm looking mind. at the. I'm looking at the Gizmodo article. I could call the, something, but I but I need it to be really loud behind me. Like you need to be mowing the carpet or something. <laughs> does does do you I have can... an air compressor? Do we have an air compressor? That'd be good. Anyway. <laughs> you yeah, failed look. me again. Leo. So get the Dyson and vacuum behind me. Okay, we're going to turn on the radio, get the Dyson. Hold on, I got to get Jeff's number here. Do I have your number? Oh, this is gold. I might have your number. Um, And here comes Mr. Nielsen. Okay, I do. It's just a 908 number, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, Okay, I'm going to call you right now, Jeff. Video call? No, just regular phone freaking call. Okay. I'm calling. Oh, that's why those phones cost a thousand dollars. I'm calling Jeff <laughs> right now. Okay, and, and pick up Jeff. Uh, hello? hello, hello, Jeff. It's me, Leo, hello, calling. It's a are little bit studio? loud back hello, here. Go ahead, turn on the radio. Bring on more noise. Mute your microphone, Can Mr. Can you hear Jarvis. me? Does it sound okay? Do you hear? Do you hear? great. <laughs> 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 well, wait, wait. I, I, I barely hear the vacuum. Yeah. You can barely hear the vacuum. It's nice and uh, it's nice. The vacuum. Put the vacuum right next to. It's really noisy in here. Can you hear me? Okay. You can hear it kind of working and trying to get rid of it. It gets rid of the vacuum. It does. It does get rid of the vacuum. Look at that. Look at that. Hold here. I'm going to turn off my mic and hold your phone up to your mic. Can you hear the, the vacuum? Come back in my head. So, yeah, I don't hear the vacuum at all. I don't hear a vacuum. I don't hear it. Yeah. If you, I mean, you can hear it. Yeah. Hey, could you get I over there? You missed the studio spot. mic, but not with the phone. <laughs> get clo- tell them yeah, to get closer. The mic, you hear it, but you don't hear it on the phone. So that's pretty good. It works well. Yeah. That's impressive. No, now it, now the the noise is gone. Can you still Mr. hear me? Victor's not going to enjoy editing. I can hear you. Yes. Right, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Your voice sounds a little tinny on it, but um, well, I'm on a phone. But you couldn't hear the vacuum. I'm so used to you being high quality. Yeah, that's right. But you couldn't hear the vacuum. So I could. That's pretty good. And then it went out. It knew to take it out. Every once in a while, you hear it. Yeah. Like I need to pull his so, voice, pull his levels up. Hold on. This is the new feature on the Google fi- on the uh, Pixel called. Uh, I'm going to hang up on you now, Jeff. I wish I could hang up. Jesus, reels. Leo, uh, how rude! <laughs> this uh, is the new clear calling thing day, that you could sir. turn on. I said good day, sir. <laughs> you can turn on on the uh, on the phone, and uh, I guess it works. So that's good. It wasn't as impressive. Yeah, it's in the system. Here you can see over over my shoulder, if you can see over the shoulder. But uh, use clear calling. Clear calling is available depending on your Wi-Fi and mobile network connection. Content from your call is not sent to Google. Reduces background noises during calls. So there you go. Not available though on other Android phones. This is a Pixel. Only the seven, which I you know that I'm wondering whether I want to buy the seven. Well, it says it uses the AI chip in here. Right, it's using yeah, the, exactly. That's why it's only available neural there. Processor, so yeah, it worked good, pretty good, yeah. pretty yeah. sweet. All right, let's take a little break. I got to talk about a sponsor, and uh, we will continue on 
with our fabulous show. Oh, I'm excited because this week I have a little chore to do. I'm upgrading my eight sleep pod to the new pod three cover. Now I, I don't, you know, I'm going to do it because we want to try it. We've had the pod eight sleep pod cover for more than a year now. You may remember me talking about putting it on and everything. We've been through a summer, a hot, hot summer and a cold, cold winter. Man, it's really cold right now. It's, it's, it literally, we're having frost every night and it's great. Lisa gets in. She says, I'm turning it up to 10. I said, fine. The eight sleep is so cool because you got each side of the bed has its own settings. It can cool, and in the summer you're going to love this, as cool as 55 degrees. You can heat to up to 110 degrees. And the whole point is to give you a better night's sleep. Not merely to keep you warm and cozy or, or cool during a hot night, but to give you a good night's sleep. In fact, I have this, the sleep doctor turn on with the eight sleep. And it automatically monitors my heart rate, my breathing, my movements. And it cools off as I get into deeper sleep, which it actually it nudges me into deep sleep. So the way I have it set, it's, it's, it's warm when I get in bed because, you know, I get under the covers. Oh, it's nice and cozy, at least in the winter. And then it cools off. And I go into deeper and deeper sleep. And then I have it set to start warming up in the morning. And I wake up in the morning and I'm nice and cozy again. Look, good sleep is the ultimate game changer. Nature's gentle nurse. And the pod cover, the ultimate sleep machine. Consistent good sleep can reduce the likelihood of serious health issues. It can decrease the risk of heart disease. It can lower your blood pressure, even reduce the risk of Alzheimer's. God knows I need that. If you're struggling to fall asleep or if you wake up in the middle of the night or you fight with your partner over the thermostat, you will love the 8-Sleep pod cover. works hard all night long to improve your sleep so you don't have to. And Lisa and I get different temperatures. It also saves us money because I don't put on the heat at night. I don't have to use the AC in the, in the summer because we're automatic. It's, it's actually a great way to efficiently keep you comfortable all night long. The pod cover fits on any mattress. You can adjust the temperature of your sleeping environment so you get the optimal temperature. As I said, Lisa likes it really hot. Last night she said, come on, reach over, feel how hot it is. I said, how can you, how can you take that? She said, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm a little bit more moderate in all of that. In addition to the best-in-class temperature regulation, it even knows what the room temperature is. So it really is responding to the environment as well as to how you're sleeping, your biometrics, your sleep stages. They've got sensors to track your health and sleep metrics without the need to wear any you you know wearable devices. I don't have to wear my Apple Watch or, or anything like that. I get all those metrics in the morning. It tells me how I slept. I can't wait. We're going to put the Pod 3 cover on this weekend. I can't wait. It's got more sensors. That's the one you'll be getting. Better sleep. It's the health habit you will love sticking to night after night. Wake up fully energized with the Pod cover, and you can tackle whatever life throws at you. Go to 8sleep.com slash twit. Spell it out, E-I-G-H-T, 8sleep.com slash twit. Save $150 at checkout on the pod cover. 8sleep currently ships within the U.S., Canada, the U.K., select countries in the EU, and good news, because it's really hot in Australia right now, it ships to Australia as well. 8sleep.com slash twit. It's so nice to have exactly the right temperature when you, you get into bed. I love it. 8sleep.com slash twit. Thank you, 8sleep, for supporting our show. And uh, thank you for supporting the show by going to 8sleep.com slash twit. That thing is a game changer. 
Oh, you got you just got one, didn't you? Oh, Do you love it? Oh my gosh. It's a game changer. You know, I, you you know the hat that I normally wear into the studio, sir. You wear that you to know, bed? Fo- follically challenged. Yeah. I, I wear that to bed typically because Queen Pruitt likes to turn on the fan. And <laughs> my head Freeze just can't you handle out. that. I don't so like now that. The fan doesn't come on. You. Yeah, because she's the, cool. The, yeah. Yeah, the fan doesn't come on anymore. And that side of the bed, it's. Is it? It really chills down. It's it's game changer. Uh, I envision I you in one of those 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 um, cartoony sleepy. I almost bought one. Job of just to prove hats. a point to her. Yeah. <laughs> I, I in my what, what I in my nightshirt and mom That's in right. her cap That's had right. just settled down to a long winter's nap. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I'm so glad you got one. You have the Pod Three. I'm a little jealous, but I'm gonna uh, I, I'm gonna install it uh, uh, this weekend. Just follow the instructions. This follow time, the instructions, please. They give you. Did you have any trouble? It was me because it's easy, it right? If you. you if you watch the video ahead of time, I put it, it on upside you. down. It was just. It was dumb. It was me. It was dumb. Uh, we are learning more about the Google f- layoffs. Of course, it was great to have Richard Hay on last week to talk about you know the the human side of it. Yes. Among other groups laid off, we mentioned Area One Twenty, the R and D division completely stripped of employees google's fuchsia os was also hard hit i'm kind of fuchsia lost 16 percent of its employees the rest of it was google was six percent so it's a higher percentage but does that mean there's nobody left at fuchsia there's 400 people working on the new operating system fuchsia is a new operating system from google probably blue sky right i don't know if they want to replace Windows or or Android with it, but they, they were working on it. It had some really interesting well, ideas, right? It's an IoT. It's it's for devices, not just, like, not smartphones or computers. It's for, like, other devices is my thinking or is what I thought Future was about. And it's designed to go all the way up from a large, capable processor down to a more restrained processor. So yeah. I looked at it as a unifying operating system that could go like where OS goes all the way up to running on like a Google display. Well, and you're right. We're getting it. Uh, if you have a Nest smart display, it's on there on most of them. Right. So it is It is running. It, it replaced Cast OS. It's not based on Linux. It's ground up. It's blue sky. Right. Green field. So it might I've be- got my colors mixed up. It's green field <laughs> as well as blue sky. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, it exists, so it's not. I feel like once it, once it's out in the world, it's not really blue sky, right? Oh, um, well, I only my, say blue sky because I think it's – I don't even think Google knows exactly what they want to do with it. They haven't really said it. Yeah, it does. It, okay. Is that blue sky or pie in the sky? <laughs> well, this there's there's, a, there's 16% fewer people working on it. What's 16% of in, 400? They've been working on it for so long. I've never built an operating system, so – you know, but my understanding is it takes a long time and there's several different yeah. layers. Yeah. So, so maybe this it was isn't something that's killed off just from the layoffs. It's just a reduced work workforce is what you're saying. Well, maybe they've done all the hardest work. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> maybe they need different people for a new phase of the OS. You know, uh, 
according to Ari's Technica, the biggest questions surrounding Fuchsia are, why does this exist? <laughs> and what are, its, <laughs> what are its goals? Is Fuchsia an eventual replacement for Android or Chrome OS? Uh, around 2018, when we got Fuchsia running on a Pixelbook, the source code documentation for the custom kernel says it targets modern phones and modern personal computers with fast processors. Uh, but as you point out, up to now, it's been entirely used on IoT devices. So it's just unclear. I would still love to see a coming together of Android and Chrome. Yeah. The same way really? Apple is doing it with really? Synergy. Well, I don't, I don't know Apple well enough anymore. Here's why I say it's blue sky. Hiroshi Lockheimer in 2019 said, we're looking at what a new take on an operating system could be like. And so I know out there people are getting pretty excited saying, oh, this is the new Android or, oh, this is the new Chrome OS. Fuchsia is really not about that. Fuchsia is just about pushing the state of the art in terms of operating systems and things we learn from Fuchsia we can incorporate into other products. That's pretty blue sky, right? Oh, dear God. I don't even know why it exists. Yeah, <laughs> then no one why does. did they only fire 16% of the people that they're So uh, that's four times 16 uh, is 56 people. So that's not a huge number out of 400, but it's, you know, it's something. Yeah. Well, um, empty desks around you. 64. Did I do my math wrong? I did. Yeah, you Thank did. You. But that's okay. Uh, hey, yeah. Uh, in the same year, 2022, last year, one Fuchsia team member said on Hacker News, Fuchsia isn't necessarily targeting end users or application developers. Fuchsia exists to make products easier to build and maintain. Products are responsible for the app developer and end user experience. Well, that's it's clear as nerdy. mud. It's for the nerdy. Nerdy. It's, uh... So it's not going anywhere. Right and nerdy. <laughs> there's a small chance that everything that fuchsia has done ends up being inside the linux kernel there you go <laughs> it's what a nerdy it ain't going anywhere sir yeah. <laughs> you'll keep working on this yeah you know what file those 60 fire those 64 people or you know what they would have been better is move no, no. on they're you know people they're, they're don't people. say anything you will yeah. regret they're people. they're people i agree and and in fact that's why i like what intel did intel had a terrible quarter yeah, they did. Uh, but instead of firing people, they all took a cut in pay, including uh, 25% for the CEO, Pat Gelsinger. Oh, good for them. It was the worst decade, uh, worst uh, earnings in over a decade. 32% yeah, that, drop in that revenue. that required some sort of public apology, remonstration kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, though, uh, you know, 5% cut in pay to the rank and file 25 percent to the ceo um that's a good that's an interesting take a better way maybe than firing twelve thousand people which is what google did so what, what does what he earn it? afterwards how does it change oh i'm sure gelsinger is doing just fine thank you yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean but, he's he's legitimately saved several big companies so yeah. i'm not it's yeah no it's pro it's more uh symbolic that it, he took that right i respect that he didn't necessarily have to make it public, but I respect that. Um, what what triggered these these massive losses for Intel? I, I I can't assume that Apple is eating that much of their pie with with its. Uh, uh, no, PC Apple sales Silicon. are down, down, down. Even Apple sales mm -hmm. are down, down, down. But PC sales down by thirty uh, to forty percent for uh, the manufacturers. Down from pandemic 
uh, down from pandemic highs, highs yeah. but still yeah, down even spike. from pre-pandemic yeah. numbers. It's not been a good. Yeah, and Intel never got. They never did well on the graphics front, and it's really in their lunch oh. now because they didn't have a compelling piece of silicon to do graphics. And so rem- AMD's, I mean, yeah. And remember that Intel, under Gelsinger, Intel has kind of changed course. They've decided mm-hmm. instead of being an integrated uh, chip design and manufacturer company, they're going to kind of be both. They're going to do chip design, and they're going to be foundries for other companies like Apple. Uh, mm-hmm. Just to answer your question, Stacy, uh, Gelsinger's pay will be cut by three hundred twelve thousand dollars. So this again involves math, but that sounds like he's still getting a good amount of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a million bucks still in his pocket. Uh, his base pay was one and a quarter million. Uh, that's Intel's, actually not terrible. That's not bad. That, that's <laughs> I'm like, go, go Z him. Fruit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's well. Impressive. The majority of his compensation is from stock awards and options. So, right. You know, when we're talking salary, that's not all of it. Total yeah. value oh, of his 2021 compensation package stand back $178 million. There we go. Shares. <laughs> there it is. Holy camoly. Yeah. He got $140 million in stock awards last year or 2021. Oh, never mind. My former CEO had a track record of going in and helping rebuild companies, if you will, and get them back on track and profitable. And uh, when I was in school, one of my classmates was like, hey, I know your CEO. He came in and, and helped us out. And when we tried to pay him, he didn't want to get paid. He just wanted options. And sure enough, that he made way more money that way. Oh, sure. Versus well, get in the salary. I rest my case. Know. Jeez, Intel's going to cut four hundred one k matching from five percent to two and a half percent. Executive team members will take a fifteen percent cut. Senior managers, mid level managers will see ten percent and five percent, respectively. Lower level employees will not be affected, according to the Wall Street Journal. So that's good. I mean, you're you're not going to have the same 401k contributions, yeah. but you won't. Your salary isn't going to be cut. And again, same said CEO at the time when we were struggling. Part of the discussion was, all right, we're not going to lay people off. Health insurance prices are raising, but we're going to handle that. We just can't give y'all any raises at the moment, but we're going to make sure your health insurance is squared away and. We're not going to match as much on the 401k or what have you. And it kept everybody employed and it was totally That's, fine. Uh, I and think the company the right thing to do. got better. Yeah. Uh, Intel is targeting $3 billion in cost cuts this year, uh, increasing to as much as $10 billion a year by 2025. And they're not ruling out layoffs. Mm. But so far. Yeah. So Intel hasn't done layoffs yet? Not yet. Okay. Everybody else has. Good for them, yeah, because the rest of yeah. the Valley is... Well, not just Valley, no. Apple hasn't that. either, but Apple didn't hire as many people during pandemic, so... Yes, um, yes. Yeah. Uh, you want to do a change log? Why don't we do a change log? Play that, uh, play the trumpets there. The Google change log. Somebody said I, I've been going too fast to the change log, so I'm going to really slow, this, nothing, slow this down. Oh, you're going to slow it down and drag it out? Oh, Android no. Android 13. 
Oh, oh no. Stacy, Stacy, go get your waffle. You Food got your yeah, I'm going to need some waffle time. QPR Beta 2 now available for Pixel phones. Bueller. Bueller. <laughs> uh, there's a I fix coming time. to the latest Pixel Buds A series. I feel like there's always a fix coming to the Pixel Buds series. 3.519.0 firmware update. Oh, the current one breaks Bluetooth pairing. Oh, whoops. So they're going to fix that. Hey, I don't... Why are these so bad? Why is... Why are good earbuds so hard for Google to do? Google? I just just don't get it. The ones I got now, I like. I never had a problem with the series. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's and I don't forget, I was a major complainer about the last one. Yeah. The ones yeah. now are, are good. Mine have been all right, too, other than I, I have one in a bag of rice right now because... Oops. Like, oh. Did you swallow <laughs> it? Did you get a shower perhaps? with them? I got in the shower, wasn't paying attention. Uh, I was listening to a book. Uh, and I do that every now and then. Don't they like, make oh, uh, waterproof ones you could wear in the shower? Yeah, but it's only... waterproof. You can only do so much yeah. Um, yeah. with that IP... IP rate or is it IPS rating? I don't remember what it is, but it apparently apparently is not good enough for the shower. So one is in a bag of rice at the moment. Hopefully, good luck. Back to God life. bless. <laughs> YouTube TV is losing MLB Network starting today. That's kind of bad news because baseball is about to start up. Pitchers and catchers. Yeah, it is the season. Yeah, yeah. Starting January thirty first, MLB Network content will no longer be available on YouTube TV. We did mention though that YouTube did get the Sunday NFL Sunday ticket. So yep. they're going to have football, but they could not make a deal with uh, Major League Baseball. So the baseball channel will no longer be available. You know, they're not done. Google says we're going to continue conversations in the hope of restoring their content. Meanwhile, you'll be able to continue watching select MLB games uh, via coverage on your local, you know, Fox, Locals, ESPN, right? TBS. Yeah. March 30th, baseball begins. Uh, Google is hosting Google Next 2023 in August in oh, person. That's a weird time. Well, it's not Google I.O. Isn't Google I.O. usually earlier? But they didn't mention oh, yeah. it. I.O. is yeah. usually in May. May. Yeah. And then they but have this, their no, this Google is not, Cloud, which is Google Next. Just cloud, it? yeah. Yeah. Google yeah. Next is usually in... Well, this is their cloud thing. It's Cloud Next. Cloud thing, yeah. Yeah, it'll host an yeah, in-person event for the, the first time since uh, 20... Tw- actually, since 2019, the 2020 event was canceled. 2021 was virtual. There was a physical component last year, April but April of 2019. Oh, okay. So things are back to normal with uh, Moscone Center, Cloud Next 23. I've never been. Have, have, have you been to a Next? I've never been. I have. I actually met a... Uh, not a reader, a listener. I was in line for a thing, and someone was like, Stacy, I watched you on This Week in Google. And I was like, holy moly. Oh, nice. Wow. It was very nice. Yes, they were a very nice person. They, uh, I guess next they'll have a lot of stuff, though. Learn about the latest Google advancements in AI, data, security, productivity, and more. Explore keynotes, breakout sessions, demos, hands-on labs, training, certification opportunities on site. Hear updates on product roadmaps. Connect with Google Thought Leaders. There will be select next 23 experiences online and on demand. The rumor is Google I.O. will take place in May, but they haven't made an announcement yet. 
Will they let the press back in? Uh, well, if this if Google Cloud Next is in person, I I wonder maybe they will. What well, was in person? Well, Cloud Next is an actual like developer focused conference. I guess I/O is too, but it that's confusing. Cloud Let's Next seems bigger. Yeah, bigger than I/O, really. Well, I mean, I'm Jason. just judging Jason. by the press Jason. events at I/O. Yeah, Stacy, do you think Next is more customer based for cloud services? I mean, it is more like I guess I associate next with being a larger event than IO. But when I think about IO, I only go to like the big first day keynote launch stuff. Yeah. IO journalists usually are kicked out, aren't they? After the keynote and you have to go home. I can't remember. No, maybe that was Apple. That was Apple that did that. All right. They just kick you out. They kick me out. (laughs) Chrome for Android is rolling out fingerprint unlock for incognito tabs. What? Okay. Chrome. Sure. Let me parse that sentence. <laughs> you got porn on your on your yeah. tab and your boss comes in and can't find out what was on your tab unless you're there with your fingerprint yep. held against your will. Yep. Oh boy. You'll oh, have that- to, yeah, you could turn on a fingerprint unlock or lock. <clears throat> lock incognito sure. tabs when you leave Chrome. That'll now be a switch. And you can unlock with your fingerprint or a or pin, obviously. Huh, that's nice. And here's a little public service announcement from your friends at The Verge. Gmail's new package tracking interface is live, but you have to turn it on. Did you know they were going to put a package tracking interface? I did. It's opt-in. So uh, what you do, what you do here uh, is you go... To uh, on iOS, you go to the package, you go to the data privacy menu, and there's a package tracking toggle there. Of course, data privacy, that makes sense. On Android, it's in general. Either <laughs> way. It's in general. Just in general. Just, These change logs sure are fascinating. Fascinating we can spend stuff. a lot of time Let's on Let's spend them. more time. Now it's time for Scooter X's change log. Here it is. <laughs> Because we haven't had enough. <laughs> New leaked specs suggest Pixel Tablet Pro. Might not be a thing okay. after all. Might not be a thing. Uh, we are going to get... Rex, you just, that's, that's so cruel. You, you boost me up and let me down. Yeah, the same he likes line. To, he's mean. We are going to get uh, a review copy of this just for you, Jeff, so I can talk about it. Father Robert brought it in during uh, after CES during a Twitter a few weeks ago. Acer's going to send us their new Chromebooks. These are not, whoops, these are nice looking, <laughs> nice looking devices. Uh, the Chromebook Vera 712, which is designed to be beat, you know, in, up in classrooms. Um, and and then there's the top of the line, this the uh, beautiful aluminum uh, Vero. So I think these are going to be very nice. They, the Vero 712, 429 like the, bucks. Uh, the HP. We'll launch right. in April. The model with the i3 will be 529. So there you go. Uh, they're also going to do some lower end uh, devices. The classroom ready stuff is going to be available by the end of April as well. Let's see what else is in the Scooter X change log. <laughs> Google says Lens and Maps Live Your Prelude. 
to its long-term vision for AR. That's a maps live view prelude to its long-term. That's that's when Hiroshi Lockheimer strode onto mm-hmm. the stage at the event this morning. Apparently, even though Hiroshi was there, uh, Jason says he only said the word Google once, and they never said the word Android. So, right? <laughs> that's weird. Yeah. yeah, that's weird. Lockheimer highlighted Google Meet with live sharing for Samsung Notes and RCS and Messages. Do you still have the flip phone, Stacy? The uh, Galaxy Flip. I do. do you st- is is the screen holding up and everything? Yeah. You like it? It works. Yeah, I'm thinking when I, they, I mean, I'm still using it. So they don't do... I'm probably uh, going to... Go ahead. Okay, I guess I'll talk. They- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no one else is frozen, but Leo's frozen? <laughs> I mean, he was legit frozen. That was pretty... That was impressive. That was good. No one to do. Now I'm melting. Um, I was like, dang, that's a glitch in the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> they don't usually do the uh, folding phones till the fall, but I, I, th- though I maybe because I'm falling for the ad campaign, but I think that actually that flip, I might get the next one when it comes out. But, you, but the main the thing, of course, flip? is the concern about the screen. But you, you, you use it right. You open it and close it. Open it, yeah, and close it, yeah, and it survives. I mean, I think I use my phone a normal amount or an abnormal amount. What? I probably pick it up twenty or thirty times yeah, a day. Good. That's good to know. In the hospital, I saw a guy using it uh, to do a video call. I think it's it cool because really you can leave it there unfolded, half folded, yeah. right on the table. I don't know. I'm thinking oh, maybe. You know, I don't do that. Oh, okay. I guess I could. But Chromecast with Google TV 4K gets calls. its first update of 2023. Google's reportedly testing an alternate homepage with chat GPT style Q&A prompts. So that's uh, that's from The Verge confirming what we thought. Project Bard. Um, I think that's uh, I think that's it. Riveting. Yes, oh, that was great. One more. This uh, I saw this. It concerned me a little you don't bit. Don't want it to end too soon. No, no. We love the change log. <laughs> Google Fi says hackers accessed oh, customer yeah. information. There was a data breach likely related to the security incident at T-Mobile, according to TechCrunch. Uh, T-Mobile lost a significant, I think, set was it 17 million um, customer records? Uh, and the email sent to customers on Monday, which I have not received, but but a couple of people yesterday said they had. Google said the primary network provider for Google Fi recently informed the company there had been suspicious activity relating to a third-party support system containing a limited amount of Google Fi customer data. Of course, Google Fi rides on T-Mobile, so it makes sense that this would be an issue with T-Mobile's hack. Um, Google said hackers did not take customers' personal information, payment card data, passwords, pins, or even the contents of text messages or calls. While some emails said there's no action required, at least one Google Fi customer said in a Reddit post that their phone number had been briefly hijacked, SIM-swapped, for two hours... So that's something to be aware of. I've I've always felt fairly secure with my Google Fi phone number. I use that for most of my um, two-factor. When they say you've got to have a phone number for that, I use the Google Fi number, not the mm-hmm. T-Mobile mm-hmm. number. But now I'm starting to think, hmm. Oh. And ladies and gentlemen, that's the Google change log. 
Oh, we hardly knew you changed log. That was a quickie. You're over so soon. So soon. Is there who anything? Is who, who is it who gives you such stuff about change log? Oh, you know, random, random listeners. Just random, people who random. really care about the change log. I get email. I get email. I get a lot of email. <laughs> I get feedback via email. Thank you, everybody. Uh, do you care about this? Is this the democracy segment? Yeah. Do you care about um, Artifact, Kevin Systrom's new thing? Yeah, so the founders of Instagram have started something new, which I immediately, of course, and I'm sure you did too, asked for, for it, ad yeah. admission to, but you you know, it's not open to the public yet. It's called Artifact, and the idea is it is a AI curated news, which I don't honestly know how that's different from everything else. I'm not sure either. That's Mike out McHugh there. And, um, uh, what's his name? Who invented the uh, the, the hashtag? Um, oh, Chris, Chris Messina. Chris Messina. We're just in a discussion on Mastodon about it. So it's Mike rather, McHugh is, like a, is a Flipboard guy, right? Founder of Flipboard. Yeah. yeah. So he has some so interest it's in a little this. Little Flipboardy. Yep. Yeah. Um, here's the post. Excited to announce what Kevin and I have been working on with a talented team the past year: Artifact, a personalized news feed driven by the latest in artificial intelligence. You, have you gotten an invite yet, Jeff? Nope. Sometimes I feel like these people just had one good idea, and now they're just like Silicon Valley is full of people who had one good idea. They managed to make it scale, and then they give them money the next time the big idea comes around to give them something that, like, I don't know. I feel this that is way. just my skeptic. Exactly. In one fact, person, Ev Williams, is the person who's done it three times. Well, medium okay, so was medium a huge good. success. No, no, but it's still alive. It's still there. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Sobelbinds does. He's yeah. not dead yet. Not dead yet. <laughs> Spotify, among see. many uh, tech companies, doing big layoffs, including their head of podcasting. Whoops. Oh, what do we think of that? Whoops. Little Don Ostroff. Uh, well, I don't. There? I don't know. Um, this is Daniel X uh, email or blog post. As part of this change, Don Ostroff has decided to depart Spotify. Don made Maybe a tremendous mark like not only not on Spotify. not giving them any money anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you're not going to pay me, I guess I'll quit. Uh, Don, Don has made a tremendous <laughs> mark not only on Spotify, but in the audio industry overall. Because of her efforts, Spotify grew our podcast content by 40 times. 40 times zero is still zero, so it must have had some. Drove significant innovation in the medium and became the leading music and podcast service in many markets. Blah, blah, blah. Thanks to her work, Spotify was able to innovate on the ads format itself and more than double the revenue of her advertising business to... How much do you think Spotify makes on ads? No. Mm -hmm. They spend a lot. 1.5 billion euros. Whoa. Oh, that's a lot. Okay, good. Whoa. Whoa is right. That's all. That's like twice what we make. Uh, <laughs> Where's Ant's coffee machine then? Yeah. Uh, Don will, in the near term, Don will assume the role of senior advisor to help facilitate this transition. Yeah. So do been, you think there'll be media stories now saying, "Oh, podcasting is dead because Spotify is dead"? Yeah. That, if that, ha yes, of course, that's exactly how the media there were would react. Media. I mean, there were. Uh, 
stories earlier that podcasting had hit a bump in the road. So yeah, there's there, a podcasting a, winter, as it were. <laughs> there was a story that last year, 80, something like 80 percent fewer new podcasts were launched, which as far as I'm concerned is great. Keep up the good, good news, work. Yeah. Stop launching those podcasts when they also another thing they've learned in Spotify has learned this, but others like iHeart have learned it better. These celebrity podcasts are not a panacea. You know, just because you've got a big name doing a podcast, you get some initial yeah. interest, but it does not mean long-term listenership. Uh, right. So, right. Uh, on the other hand, they I think Joe Rogan is a good part, good percentage of that 1.5 billion euros. He's been very successful for Spotify. Was well, it advertising or is it is it subscription fees that he drives? Adver oh, ads, ads are like a million bucks on Joe Rogan. They're very oh, expensive. Geez. Wow, really? Yeah. Why do you want to talk to those guys that much? Do they buy that much stuff? They buy um, pickup trucks with false gonads in the back. I don't know. <clears throat> you mean those uh, little swinging metal? Yeah. yeah. yeah right. No, I don't yeah. think. I think. Jo I think Joe's audience is young men, and and advertisers are desperate to get uh, young men because they don't. They don't. They're not traditional media consumers. So if that's the only way they can reach him, that's where Joe's going to make a lot of money. I'm sure that was the logic anyway behind it. Yeah. Uh, men men like 18 to 25 are, no, well, humans 18 to 25 are notoriously hard to reach in traditional media. They don't watch TV. They don't buy magazines. They barely see billboards. They don't listen right. to the radio. So podcasts are sometimes see the billboards. only. <laughs> <laughs> they go whizzing by them at high speed. Hey, everybody, Leo Laporte here. I am the founder and one of the hosts at the Twit Podcast Network. I want to talk to you a little bit about what we do here at Twit, because I think it's unique. And I think for anybody who is uh, bringing a product or a service to a tech audience, you need to know about what we do here at Twit. We've built an amazing audience of engaged, intelligent, affluent listeners who listen to us and trust us when we recommend a product. Our mission statement is to, is to build a highly engaged community of tech enthusiasts. Boy, already you should be, your ears should be perking up at that because highly engaged is good for you. Tech enthusiasts, if that's who you're looking for, this is the place. We do it by offering them the knowledge they need to understand and use technology in today's world. And I hear from our audience all the time, Part of that knowledge comes from our advertisers. We are very careful. We pick advertisers with great products, great services, with integrity, and introduce them to our audience with authenticity uh, and genuine enthusiasm. And that makes our host red ads different from anything else you can buy. We are literally bringing you to the attention of our audience and giving you a big, fat endorsement. We like to create partnerships with trusted brands, brands who are in it for the long run, long-term partners that want to grow with us. And we have so many great success stories. Tim Broom, who founded IT Pro TV in 2013, started advertising with us on day one, has been with us ever since. He said, quote, we would not be where we are today without the Twit Network. I think the proof is in the pudding. Advertisers like IT Pro TV and Audible that have been with us for more than 10 years. They stick around because their ads work. And honestly, isn't that why you're buying advertising? You get a lot with Twit. We have a very full service attitude. We almost think of it as kind of artisanal uh, advertising, boutique advertising. You'll get a full service 
continuity team, people who are on the phone with you, who are in touch with you, who support you from with everything from copywriting to graphic design. So you are not alone in this. We embed our ads into the shows. They're not they're not added later. They're part of the shows. In fact, often they're such a part of our shows that our other hosts will chime in on the ad saying, yeah, I love that. Or just the other day, one of our hosts said, man, I really got to buy that. That's an additional benefit to you because you're hearing people, our audience trusts saying, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, we deliver, always over deliver on impressions. So, you know, you're going to get the impressions you expect. The ads are unique every time. We don't pre-record them and roll them in. We are genuinely doing those ads in the middle of the show. Uh, we'll give you great onboarding services. Ad tech with pod sites that's free for direct clients. Gives you a lot of reporting. Gives you a great idea of how well your ads are working. You'll get courtesy commercials. You actually can take our ads and share them across social media and landing pages. That really extends the reach. There are other free goodies too, including mentions in our weekly newsletter that's sent to thousands of fans engaged fans who really want to see this stuff we give you bonus ads and social media promotion too so if you want to be a long-term partner introduce your product to a savvy engaged tech audience visit twit.tv slash advertise check out those testimonials mark mccrary is the ceo of authentic you probably know him one of the biggest uh, original podcast advertising companies we've been with him for 16 years Mark said the feedback from many advertisers over 16 years across a range of product categories, everything from razors to computers, is that if ads and podcasts are going to work for a brand, they're going to work on Twitch shows. I'm very proud of what we do because it's honest, it's got integrity, it's authentic, and it really is a great introduction to our audience of your brand. Our listeners are smart, they're engaged, they're tech-savvy, they're dedicated to our network, and that's one of the reasons we only work with high-integrity partners that we've personally and thoroughly vetted. I have absolute approval on everybody. If you've got a great product, I want to hear from you. Elevate your brand by reaching out today at advertise at twit.tv. Break out of the advertising norm. Grow your brand with host red ads on twit.tv. Visit twit.tv slash advertise for more details, or you can email us, advertise at twit.tv. Dot TV if you're ready to launch your campaign now. I can't wait to see your product. So give us a ring. All right. I'm done. I don't have anything else to say. Let's do our picks of the week and move on with our lives. What do you say, Stacy? What's your <laughs> always for it. What's yes. your thing of the week? <laughs> um sorry. I just today I've been like so sleepy and cranky. Good lord. Uh, all right. My thing of the week is a book. Because I was playing with the device that I was going to tell you about it, and I hate it. I hate yeah. this device. I'm you not can, telling you know, me about it. This is people. No. I don't mind saying something's terrible because we, we often we only review the good stuff, and people start to think you like everything. It's good to, to yeah, warn exactly. people away. Well, from I will tell you. You know those crap. smart goggles. I sent the smart goggles that I I was talking about back. Just so y'all know, smart the, goggles. The, or smart glasses. The Therabody smart glasses. Oh, yeah. I showed them no off good, a couple huh? weeks back. Yeah. I said I, I told y'all that I was probably going to send them back, but I did send them back. So didn't, didn't good change your policy. life. Didn't improve your life. It did nothing for us, and it actively it annoyed my uh, teenager. <laughs> the so. idea is you put it on, and it would massage your eyes. It would. It had a. It had a heart rate 
sensor in the glasses that yeah. would also try to match the massage to your heart rate. Oh, dear. To help relax you more. I don't know. Anyway. You know what? I however, like the $10 this- I spent on that thing that you put in the refrigerator and then put on your head. That, yeah, was that was a, that was just silly. That wasn't that, even a review. But thing. that was a good, that was a good buy. A lot better than a two hundred dollar eyeball massager. Well, well, good. Yeah, um, yeah. Someone, I guess, at one point in time, I was really desperate for a thing, so I told somebody about the OXO brush thing with the little stand that I had. <laughs> yeah, and two people emailed me and said they bought it and they loved it. So I was like, well, I'm glad. You should never, never judge people. You know, Lisa tweeted a picture of me or Mastodon tooted a picture of me uh, wearing it. And there were all these people saying, what is that? I I must have it. So I I think it's genuine. Uh, I think it's real. Yeah. So this week I'm giving y'all a book because I, you know, I read a lot. So, but I really like this book and I liked it. And y'all are kind of nerdy. It's not a science fiction book, but it has some things that we like. And it's called The Sorcerer of Pyongyang. Is that how we would yeah, say Pyongyang, the North Korean yeah. capital? Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's really, there's no magic in this book. Um, it's about a boy in North Korea who finds a Dungeons and Dragons book in like the 80s. And then he plays it with basically... That is a thinly used plot device to hinge an entire story about what it was like to grow up in North Korea um, in the which last like, thirty years, yeah, which is really crazy. fascinating. And so, do you think Thoreau knows everything. how what it was like? Though, I mean, how what's his? No, he, he did a know? lot of research. Oh, okay. He also wrote a book called Far North, I believe. Yes. Um, very fair. Oh, but that is not book. yeah. Oh, it says here, anyway. drawing on the author's personal experience of North Korea. Mm. So I guess he has some time, spent some time there. The Sorcerer of Pyongyang. But it's really well done. And it's like, I don't read a lot about North Korea. Um, you don't? So I, I know. I mean, I've shocking. read like three or four books about it. It's just, it's yeah. So I'd be curious if people actually have a much, you know, I, I love entering new cultures through the medium of fiction just because yes, I agree. It's a little less like, it, I feel like you get a more sense of like, especially if it's written by someone from that culture, this is obviously not that you get a little bit more of a, a flavor. Like that's why I liked reading like the three body problem. Cause it, it gave me kind of, I felt like an insight into what it would be like to be not an oh individualistic boy, society or be with that one. I know. Anyway, <laughs> The point is, I really liked this book. It was engaging. It taught me, or it, it talks actually about the hacking armies, like the people who, yeah, anyway, like North Korea's ransomware and revenue generation through ransomware and hacking and other special ways that they generate revenue despite sanctions. Um, and also, I played D&D as a kid, and, you know, nice. it was pretty magic for me growing up, and Maybe a, a future Stacy's book club selection. There's not any sci-fi. It's not sci-fi. It. It's, okay. it's not sci-fi. It's just a novel. Stacy's so. book club, which is coming up March 30th, is the book you've chosen. The book. <gasps> Wait, we've chosen the book, and we may have to change the date because I think I have to give a talk on the 29th. We could do that. That's far enough okay. away. The book, Sorry. though, and you might want to get started, is Emily St. John Mandel's Sea of Tranquility. 
It's fairly short, I believe. So you got some time. Yeah, it's five hours, like, 47 minutes if you listen to it. That's not bad. Good narrator, oh, too. I love okay, John good. Lee. Yeah, yeah. Nice. It's a beautiful book. If you're it's, not a member of Club it is Twit, literary. this is one of the many wonderful reasons to join Club Twit. We've actually got some events coming up. Win to Dow, the host of All About Android, will be on February 9th, a week from tomorrow, for a mm-hmm. fireside chat. Then uh, the next day, Daniel Suarez, who is uh, the author of many great books, including Demon and Freedom TM, his new book, Critical Ooh. Mass, just came out yesterday. I started reading it. I'm excited. He's going to be our guest on February 10th for a triangulation. But club members will get special access. They'll be able to ask questions and so forth. Samable Salmon's coming up. Uh, the book club, and Victor, one of our great editors, longtime employee, uh, is going to do a uh, chat. We've been doing some behind-the-scenes, uh, meeting some of the behind-the-scenes people. That's all coming up. Thanks to Ant, our our uh, club community manager and uh, ringleader. If you're not a member of <laughs> Club Twit, now's the time. Go to twit.tv slash club twit and uh, sign up today. Seven bucks a month, $84 a year, or you can get a corporate membership for everybody in your company, you'll get ad-free show versions of all the shows, including this one. You get special shows we don't put out on the Twit Plus feed uh, in public. Uh, for instance, Hands on Macintosh with Micah Sargent, Hands on Windows with Paul Therott, uh, Untitled Linux Show with Jonathan Bennett. You also get access to the Discord, which is so much fun. <clears throat> just love all the folks in the Discord. We have so much fun. Stacy's in there and Jeff's in there. And we're just having a good, a good old time. Lots of memes. memes. There's memes, lots of fun memes. people, and we're in there too. And it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a pleasure, a pleasure in there. I hang out in the club all the time. I love it. Uh, Twit.tv slash club twit. Join us. Jeff Jarvis, number. <laughs> wow, here's a new one. We've got a moral <laughs> is, panic like uh, GIF like with that. your old that's picture. Like, I'm going to steal that one. Thank you very yeah. much. I like buddy. that. That's nice. Yeah. It's a sticker. <laughs> the next book. It's a sticker in the, the server. Everybody can use it now. Oh, man. That's a good I picture of you. That's awesome. Isn't that the one you bought? No. It looks like the one I bought. It's roughly the same frame. I love it. Looks like an AI generated version. Ooh. Anyway. All right. So I've got a. Um, uh, a number, a Stacy bait. Stacy bait. A what? Stacy bait. Stacey oh, Stacy um, bait. I thought you said bait. a Stacy bake. I was like, is it a waffle? <laughs> <laughs> Appliance makers sad that fifty percent of customers won't connect their smart appliances. Yeah, I saw that. Oh yeah, we so, talked about that last week on the show. It's so up. What? It's up a lot. Just so you know, oh, who oh, buys a smart like device and doesn't put it on the internet? Well, because they're all smart now. I don't. Yeah, they're all smart. I have a, I actually, I have two large appliances, an oven and a washing machine that are internet connected, but I have only connected the oven and not the washing machine. Right. So I fit even this bag perfectly. Even Stacy, they cry, cry deep tears over that. Huh. So that was one. And the other one is a, a little TikTok quarter moment. I have found my spirit animal. Team dog. I'm on team dog here. My spirit animal. You'll see what I mean. Here, ladies and gentlemen, I give you team dog. He's walking like an Egyptian. I can't play the music. If I could, I would. He's now going to cross the bridge. Oh, no, he's not going to cross the bridge. (laughs) Now he says, no, no bridges. Uh, uh, Smart dog. Who's your smart dog? No bridges. Who knows? No, you Uh, wouldn't uh, be afraid of that bridge, would you, Jeff? Little little plank bridge across a ravine. 
No. Oh, yeah. Oh, that dog really yeah. doesn't want to go. Oh, poor pooch. Oh, Honey, you're going to feel so much better when it's done. Uh, I promise. Oh, poor little doggy. Dog just dug in. He says, I ain't going. No. <laughs> no. No. Don't do no. it. No. You don't pet me. It doesn't matter. I don't want to do it. No, I don't want to go across his fridge. Mr. Ant Pruitt, what should we give? What plugs would you like to give? Uh, my plug is I watched a movie here recently. And critics hated it and the audience hated it. And I, I guess I, I get it. But at the same time, I, it, it made me reflect. And it's a movie called You People. It's on Netflix. I like the well, name. I wanted to hear about this one. Yeah. Featuring, um, what's his name? Jonah. Jonah Hill. Jonah, Jonah Hill. Hill. Yeah. Jonah Hill. And uh, I believe the, the lady, her last name is London. And I thought it was okay, but it points out with, the two of them being in an interracial relationship and uh, she has a Muslim background. He has a Jewish background and the families meet and all of the tropes and stuff that comes along with that. But at the same time, it made me think about some of my past experiences, uh, you know, actually as recent as 2020, you know, in 2019 where I pretty much was tokenized at times by people that I thought were my friends. And it here? didn't hit me until not here, no, I not hope. here, not here, not here, not here. Um, by people that I thought were my friends. And just that that movie movie just reminded me of it. And it made me think how there are a lot of people on both both sides of the spectrum where we go in with assumptions. So and when I introduce you to my friends as my black friend, you don't like that? Yeah, we're gonna <laughs> fight. I'll just go ahead and let you know right now. Oh, okay? I was like You've been warned. <laughs> I'd like to You've introduce you to my black friend and my Jewish friend. Right. I don't right. do that. It, it goes over some stuff just like that. Jewish. And I thought they did a good job of at least putting it out there and trying to you have some got, fun with it. It's the perfect name for that, isn't it? It is. Mm-hmm. You people. And I read through a lot of the critics and the audience's comments there on Rotten Tomatoes, and it just fascinates me how people were so upset about this movie. And then I looked at it, and I was like, yep, this person is white and totally don't have that same perspective that I would have as someone that lived it. All right, I'm going to watch it knowing that I'm going to put myself in your shoes. And watch it with that in mind. Is it a comedy? Is it a comedy? A comedy yeah, it's a comedy. Tells the it's truth. A comedy. It's like Eddie Murphy's in and it. Eddie Murphy's in it. <laughs> it's got an amazing <laughs> cast. I mean, yeah. he's done serious or action yeah. stuff. But. Oh, I love, you know what? Eddie's back. He's done some great yeah. stuff. What was that? So yeah, he's, he was good in this one. Yeah, he, he, good. He, he was right. good in this one. Good. Oh, oh, you know what? We forgot something, Leo. What's we that? I'm going to mention. Oh, I didn't. You were done with your things. I'm sorry. When it's no, done, what we'll is mention that? that. Just Glenn Fleischman. Oh. We're gonna, we'll do more next week. Yeah. Oh, Shift happens. Next week. That's we'll right. Mr. Fleischman. In fact, we should get, if you can get, Jason, if you can get Glenn on the show next week, that'd be good. Yeah. Just to talk about great. it. It doesn't have to be for the whole show. It can be. Um, Sweet. Yeah. I don't think Stacy. Well, you met Glenn in person, but you haven't been on the show with him. Yeah, the they haven't been together because he no, usually. We, no, we, have we not. It might be like the same person. Water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. Glenn and I. <laughs> Let me tell you about my new fonts. There's an AI. <laughs> well, he is your neighbor. I mean, he lives in the Seattle area, so He's, you should get to know I mean, him. He's great. Across a body of water. I, I do know him. Oh, never yeah, mind. They've met in person. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I've known Glenn for years. What do you know? 
<laughs> now, Ant is mad as H-E double hockey sticks, and he's not going to take it anymore. No, I'm not. And this, this is, I've spoken in offline to some folks about this here recently, but uh, I'm campaigning, if you will, and I'm campaigning for my son. Uh, the picture there that you have on the screen, it reads that he is the back of the year. He's first team this and honorable mention that and so on and so forth. And you've seen me share highlights of him throughout the season. Yeah, You know, his very first playoff football game, he had seven daggum touchdowns. Uh, and he Jeez, does seven. not have one scholarship offer as of yet. What? Yet his teammates... Be? Yet there's a teammate that has a scholarship offer, mm. but he does not. And it pisses me off because uh, this is me taking dad out. Okay. I know this kid works hard, works really, really hard. I know this kid has a GPA of like 4.2. Wow. I know this kid is loved in the community. I, you know, I go out and people recognize me because, yeah, it's not a lot of black people here. Oh, yeah, your son's <laughs> a quarterback and he's so great. And he come in and he helped us do this and blah. You know, he's he's a good kid. And it sort of bugs me that there's people out there in this world that are always trying to do the right thing and do the good thing. And they always they tend to come up short for whatever reason. Yet there's idiots out there and evil people out there and that just get away with stuff and half-ass things and don't work hard and they end up being gazillionaires or just skirting rules and all of that. And that just pisses me off. So again, I am just campaigning for my boy because I can't afford to pay for college, but I know he wants to go to college and he deserves to go to college. And football is one way in, in addition to his brain and track and so forth. So Jacob Pruitt, I'm campaigning for you, boy. I've told him personally. As a proud dad. I'm going to. For your consideration, Jacob yeah. Pruitt. He's the next <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. Guys, you know, get in there and get him while you can. Yeah, yeah, Look at that kid. One. Watch this Look one at this today. kid. This. Oh, my goodness. He's got legs. Just Holy cow. Outrunning them all. 80 yards. Oh, they must hate him. That's <laughs> <laughs> just, just 80 yards. Oh, you know, no God, big deal. What are you going to do with a guy Man, who can this throw? Is a laser. He can run. Laser of a throw. He can, oh, my goodness. You know, and he's had he's had some visitors from some scouts here recently. But these scouts, they, you know, it's nice. But, hey, show me the money. I'm just going to say it like that. Show me the money. Say right. it. A lot of scholarships. Right. Are, you know, it's such a, it's a being in the biz. It's it, the corruption of it is we raise money to pay to ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. We don't mm -hmm. even pay it to Jacob. Right. The right. college pays themselves so Jacob could go there and work for the college. Right. Really? That throw. No, Do because that throw. the money that they raise wow. from <laughs> alumni for their football programs are is very important. I know the don't CUNY football right team is amazing, Jeff. Well, <laughs> don't blink. <laughs> Whoa, look at him. He is so fast. God. He's just outrunning everybody. Look at him go. Zip. Don't blink. Zip. He's gone. You, could, you even lost track of him. <laughs> Where'd he go? That's great. So, that is awesome. They'll want to throw the whole, you know, he's a, he's a dual, they call it dual threat quarterback, which means he he's run, a quarterback that can run, pass. but can't necessarily throw. But yet yeah. I'm looking at touchdown passes right here. Yeah. Well, you've made so, a heck of a deal. Did he step in as quarterback when another kid got injured, right? Right. He came in um, because the senior quarterback got hurt and because he was totally fine, not competing 
for that role because the senior quarterback was pretty daggum good. But, and we said, you know what? It's fine. Your time is coming. Just, just go can contribute somewhere else because, Oh, by the way, he's a team player. He wanted to be on the field and contribute in other ways. So when is the season for getting these scholarships in? I mean, is it, uh, we, it's nonstop. Man. Okay. It's so it's signing day is today. Yeah. Signing day is today. Okay. Um, but you know, right now you, got to get your name out there because the transfer portal, <clears throat> excuse me, the transfer portal has changed things and made it more difficult because colleges are just going to other colleges right. and getting players right. instead of going to Where high school. Where does he want to go to college? Where does he want to go to school? Let's, let's he would love to be an Oregon Duck, but he would love to play pretty much in a, in a lot of the teams in the Pac-12 because they offer the education yeah, he that want, he wants. He's smart. He's a scholar athlete. He doesn't want to just be a football right. player. What does he want to study? Uh, he's wanting to get more into uh, art and design. Good. You know, because, yes, you know he's a model now. He's gorgeous, I know. He's yeah. into fashion, so he's he, he has a sewing him. machine here. He'll sew things together. And, what a cool kid. He'll make his own damn Man, uniform. If, right. I so, a, if I had so a again, college, I I'm would, campaigning geez, for my please. boy. As yeah. well you should, Brown Papa. <laughs> Good for you. As well, well you we'll should. We'll support you on that. How could people, uh, what should people do? How can they reach you? Just go look at your Twitter, right? And respond. Just go follow my Twitter because my Twitter has now been dedicated to campaigning him. You know, if you're a college football fan and you know people, then yeah, contact boost this. Yeah. Be a good booster. Get somebody good for your college team. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. We'll try to, we'll try to get Glenn Fleischman on. Glenn uh, has talked about this before, but he's uh, working with a guy named uh, Martian Wishari who is doing a book it'll be a kickstarter in a couple of weeks about keyboards called shift happens and it he just sent uh both jeff and i uh both jeff and me a uh a preliminary title. promo version <laughs> isn't that right. great shift happens this is this is just the, this was the uh, proof the the, the printing proof it looks test. so beautiful it's the, the beautiful pages yeah, beautiful thank paper. you glenn and we will we'll get glenn on but uh and we'll also of course when that kickstarter starts we'll that'll be our oh, yeah. pick of the week for that week for sure. Uh, we are out of time, but we're not out of waffles, and that's the good news. Stacy Higginbotham. Stacy on IOT.com is the website. The podcast she does with Kevin Toffel, the IOT podcast, is available there. There's also events there. Check them out. There uh, lots of other stuff. She is amazing. Yay, thank you. Thank you, Stacy, for being here. We really appreciate it. And grumpy. Amazing and grumpy. You weren't today. grumpy today. Grumpy at all. You've been far about. grumpier. You were not <laughs> grumpy. It's so much okay, worse. Well. I don't know why you think you're grumpy. <laughs> Jeff Jarvis, who is eternally grumpy, is the director. Yeah, the, that's my department. He's the grump well, himself. Director of the Town Knight Center for Entrepreneurial Journalism at the <laughs> Graduate School of Journalism at the City University of New York. If you had a football team, what would their mascot? What would you? What would they be called? The ink-stained wretches. Yes, that'd, that'd be good. The Gutenbergs. The, the Gutenbergs. The Gutenbergs. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Ant Pruitt. He is on Twitter, Ant underscore Pruitt. But you should also go to his website, antpruitt.com. Take a look at his beautiful prints. He's an amazing photographer, and that's why he's the host of Hands On Photography. Twit.tv slash h o p. Woohoo! Woohoo! Have a have a little abalour ab, budna for me tonight. Abalour, 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 abudna for 
Bay tonight. Good old single malt scotch. Yeah, baby. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We uh, do Twig this week in Google every Wednesday afternoon, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2200 UTC. You can watch us do it live, live live.twit.tv. Chat with us while you're watching at irc.twit.tv or in our Club Twit Discord. Uh, After the fact, on-demand versions of the show are available at the website, twit.tv slash twig. Or you can... uh, you can get it on YouTube. There's a dedicated YouTube channel for all of our shows. Actually, the best place to start is at youtube.com slash twit, and you can follow the breadcrumbs from there. You can also subscribe in your favorite podcast player. Probably the best way to get this week in Google. That way you'll get it every Wednesday evening, the minute it's available. Thanks all for joining us. We will see you next time on This Week in Google. Bye-bye. Do you want to hear about the latest news happening in the tech world from the people who write the articles, sometimes from the people who are actually making the news? Well, we got a show for you here at twit.tv. It's called Tech News Weekly. Me, Jason Howell, and my co-host, Micah Sargent, we talk with some amazing people each and every Thursday on Tech News Weekly, and we share a little bit of our own insights in each of us bringing a story of the week. That's at twit.tv slash TNW. Subscribe right now.